From the wastelands of California, my name is Michael, and I am the man behind your window. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Joining me tonight, we've got a full house tonight, boys and girls. First up, the professor is in. A man who needs no introduction, America's most dangerous mind, is live and direct. And of course, on the second half of the program, we do have a first-timer. Be gentle. Dr. Paul Cottrell will be making his debut. And wow, stay tuned for the doctor. We have a lot to discuss here, and it doesn't just end there yet. Also joining me tonight is Mr. Mike Hideous, who has drawn assignment yet again. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Now, give me one moment and let me bring in the co-host. A couple of bands, one of which was uh, the, the famous uh, band uh, The Misfits, um, also a band called The Bronx Casket Company and uh, my own personal band, which was called The Empire Hideous. Uh, I don't do so much performing anymore. I'm more of a an artist slash photographer these days, although I did write a book um, that I re-released in 2016, 15. I can't even remember. Right on. Anywho, um, that's me. That's what I do. Um, and it's an honor to be with you as always, Michael. Uh, I, you know, I love coming on your show. Right. And thank you so much for having me. No problem, no problem. And I'm sorry about that. In, in the beginning, we were sort of cut off. We had some weird sort of lag just now, but everything's good. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Can you hear me all right? Am I coming through all right? Yeah, you're loud and clear. We hear you perfectly. And I have Jim Fetzer right there waiting in the wing. Jim, what's up? Hey, Michael. Great to be with you again. I, uh, I've just been astounded by the catastrophic week the Democratic Party endured this week. <laughs> Maybe the most disastrous ever for a political party in the history of the United States. Just astounding. My God. 
Very true. And Jim, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program as much as Mike here has. Both of you have been on my show more times than any other guest. Wow. Yeah, and I love that. So I'm so glad both of you are here. And Jim, once again, much respect to you. And I know things have been pretty up and down for you as of the last year or two. And Jim, my goodness, and you are a fighter. Nothing has ever stopped you. I really respect your tenacity, the moxie, your, your, basically your defiance and intransigence, uh, Jim. You are the man. Well, the deep state and its minions have been very busy, Michael, trying to suppress those of us who are seeking to expose the truth, whether it's about Sandy Hook or other matters, but especially Sandy Hook in this day and age where James Tracy, who is a tenured associate professor at Florida Atlantic, was an early target of this fellow who calls himself Leonard Posner and purports to be the father of a child, Noah, who died at Sandy Hook. Uh, We know, however, in fact, from research that I and my collaborators have undertaken, published in Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, which appeared on 22 October 2015, with 13 contributors, including six current retired PhD professors, that the school had been closed by 2008. It was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards damaged by hurricanes. There was even a major flood in the area in 2007 that did tremendous damage. So there were no students there. In fact, early on, local neighbors were saying they thought it was very odd something would have happened because the school had long since been abandoned before they got the word to shut up or they'd be prosecuted. And that it was a FEMA drill, a two-day FEMA exercise, uh, technically uh, a mass casualty drill involving children, for which we even have the manual and where events on the ground confirmed it. The sign, everyone must check in, corresponds to the manual. It states everyone must check in with a controller upon arrival, porta potties, pizza, bottled water at the firehouse already in place. Well, it's standard for FEMA exercises. They provide refreshments and restrooms. You had photographs of many, many wearing name tags on lanyards, which is how FEMA identifies the players, color-coded name tags on lanyards, parents bringing children to the scene. Well, no parent's going to bring a child to the scene of a child shooting massacre, but this was the rehearsal on the 13th, which they were treating as a festive occasion. Wolfgang Halbig is a former Florida State Trooper, U.S. Customs agent, former school principal, nationally recognized school safety expert, has even established that they were using Chalk Hill Middle School, which had been abandoned in Monroe, Connecticut, about 15 miles away as a cover, they were having food in the name of Sandy Hook Elementary being delivered to Chalk Hill and keeping administrative records intended to sow the misconception that it was still operating. Were the issue to be challenged, they could produce these documents or not. I mean, the whole thing was elaborately staged. It's interesting that Mike's into photography because Photographs sent round the world taken by Newtown B photographer Shannon Hicks, which appeared to show a string of 15 kids apparently being led to safety under exigent circumstances, was actually taken by Newtown B photographer, but staged because there turned out to be a second photograph taken minutes earlier where you can see 
a whole series of parents. There must be 10 or more standing there with their hands in their pockets, arms folded, casually looking on, and where the policewoman is rearranging the kids so that in the earlier photograph, you have a little girl in a pink sweater and a short skirt at the head of the line, but they replaced her for a more telegenic, taller little boy in blue jeans and a dark sweater. So they were even rearranging the kids to get a better shot. And in that earlier photograph, when you zoom in in the background, there are two women, mothers, parents apparently, who are casually looking on, leading me to refer to this photograph as lounging at the massacre. In any case, they have come after Wolfgang. He actually was uh, sued by Leonard Posner, who'd brought about the firing of James Tracy on completely fabricated grounds. He'd been maintaining a blog, making valuable scholarly contributions to understanding what actually happened at Sandy Hook, one of the first being about a press conference with a medical examiner, Wayne Carver, who claimed to have just performed the autopsies but didn't know how many were boys, how many were girls, how many times they'd been shot. And mm. one time he makes the bizarre remark, he hopes this whole thing doesn't come crashing down on the people of Newtown. Right. And and most interestingly, Michael, he says how they didn't allow the parents to see the children, but identified them on the basis of photographs. Well, that's just one of many anomalies from the alleged event itself on the 14th, because there was no surge of EMTs into the building, no string of ambulances rushed the little bodies off to hospitals where they could be pronounced dead or alive. In fact, I have photographs which showed that Dickinson Drive, the only connection in or out of the Sandy Hook Elementary, was so clogged with traffic you could have got an ambulance in or out if you'd wanted to. There was no medevac helicopter called. They put out triage tarps, but no bodies of dead or wounded were ever placed on them. The whole thing was an elaborate charade, and actually identifying the children on the basis of photographs turned out to be a key because they were, for the most part, Making the children using photographs of older children when they were younger. Indeed, one of my research colleagues, Mona Alexis Presley, has determined that some of the parents even use photographs of themselves as children to be decedents of the Sandy Hook event. Where well, Wolfgang has been especially good at exposing the, the terrible condition of the school, covered with mold, cracks in the walls, completely unkempt inside, all kinds of storage stuffed everywhere. Even in the relation to classroom 10, where kids are supposed to have been shot, you see all the furniture is shoved up against the windows, which would, of course, not have been the case had the school actually been in use. Indeed, we have an aerial photograph of the parking lot that, as I have frequently observed, is itself already sufficient to establish this whole thing was a charade. It was a 38-degree ground temperature day. That's above freezing, but it's still cold enough. You could not have conducted classes for children without heating the building. But there's no steam or heat rising from the building, no doubt, because the boilers were so decrepit from non-use for the four intervening years that they couldn't be fired up. You also have uh, no uh, parking for handicap at the building, none of the familiar blue and white signage, blue and white parking spaces which meant that the school could not have been legally operating as a public school because it was in violation with Americans for Disability Act requirements, which I verified for both the state and the federal law at the time, and where, in addition, there are two rows of vehicles in the center of the parking lot, all parked facing the school, which is very peculiar because the driving instructions would have you coming in off Dickinson Drive, turn right, curl around, and then park facing away. 
but it was obviously much simpler to bring them in in a single row and put them in two by two by two facing the building. After all, who would even notice these were just props? It turns out, ironically, that the Connecticut State Police were running the shop and they were keeping photographs of everything they did. So when we published the book, in Chapter 7, we had 50 photographs of them furnishing an empty house to be the Adam Lons of residence. It's uh, particularly striking because there's nothing on any of the walls, no paintings, draw diagrams, or decorations of any kind. And in the uh, in relation to his his the Adam Lons of bedroom, where Adam appears to be a fiction, uh, you have it made up in two different ways in different photographs. One, the bedroom is all neat and tidy, the bed is made, and the other, it's all disheveled and unkempt. Well, it can't have been both ways when the police arrived. And then we have a photograph of the Nancy Lonza bedroom where Adam is alleged to have shot his mother while she was sleeping in bed. There's a little red stuff on the bed, but it doesn't appear to be blood. It looks like raspberry jam. At the foot of the bed is a cedar chest. It has documents on it, which we find in many other photographs because they were keeping records, it appears, of how they arranged the room. And then Kelly Watt, another research associate who has her own commercial and home cleaning service with her keen eye spotted a blue moving pad beneath the leg of the bed that in their haste they'd forgotten to remove. And we have another 50 photographs of the school from the moving vans coming in to the moving tags still on the doors and all that were the most important of all the photographs of the school is where you have a SWAT team vehicle in the parking lot. I've been told it's actually a crime scene investigation vehicle, but just above the roof, you can see a string of four windows in classroom 10 that are undamaged. That's significant because after the event, they'd be shot up, in particular the second panel. So it's very easy to see this is before the event. Nevertheless, the flag is at full mass. If you come down there just to the right, you can see a familiar figure leaning against the wall with his arms folded. Wayne Carver, the medical examiner, waiting the arrival of his portable mortuary tent, and you can see crime scene tape up for a crime that is yet to be committed. Amazon had 20 books about Sandy Hook uh, available at the time, and uh, during the, the nearly a month, mine was on sale. It had sold nearly 500 copies. When it was banned on the 19th of November, they never gave a reason, claimed it violated their standards, which is rather absurd, including because that book was produced by means of CreateSpace, which is a subsidiary of Amazon. In, in any case, be, because uh, it was obvious that this was a political matter, where the other 19 books were all sympathetic to the official story and recaptured it in one way or another, some of which were blatantly absurd such as the story of a, of, of a teacher who'd saved her children by cramming 15 of them into a three-by-four bathroom that had a door that swung inward. If you assume that these six-year-old kids weighed about 50 pounds apiece, that's 750 pounds of, squee, squee, of squirming little kid, plus another 100 pounds for the teacher, 850 pounds were a single NFL guard or tackle at 350 would have filled it up. I mean, they, they were willing to publish absurd, obviously fantastic, unbelievable stories like that, so long as they were consistent with the official narrative, but bring together experts and scholars, including one very familiar fellow, Paul Preston, has his own radio show, Agenda 21, who is himself a school administrator who supervised drills of this kind, 
he was so troubled by what he saw broadcast from Newtown that day that he reached out to his contacts in the Obama administration, all of whom confirmed to him that it had been a drill, that no children had died, and it was done to promote gun control. Indeed, on the 16th of January, 2013, a month and two days later, Barack Obama would ceremoniously sign 23 executive orders to constrain our access to weapons under the Second Amendment. Well, they've hounded Wolfgang, yes. uh, with whom I traveled to Newtown uh, in, in 2014, is a very good man. Uh, he, he was sued by Leonard Posner for allegedly possessing, uh, violating his privacy. And when Wolfgang would show up to the court hearings, but not uh, Lenny, though he did have an attorney there who appeared to be completely incompetent, he refused to produce any documents or evidence, and the judge directed that he should sit for a video deposition, at which point Leonard Posner withdrew his lawsuit. So that at the time when I put together a review of all the evidence, which you can find at 153news.net or at BitChute or both, entitled Sandy Hook Update, Tracy loses, Wolfgang wins, the deep state strikes back. That was the then current state of play. Uh, subsequently, I would publish a second edition of the book in 2016 with four or five new uh, chapters, including one, a new Appendix D by Kelly Watt, who had herself noticed that there was a striking resemblance between Noah Posner and his older stepbrother, Michael Wagner. She'd show friends of hers pictures of the two and, and ask him, do these seem to be related? And they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's him, obviously grown up. So six of us went to work on this project, collaborating. We discovered they had the same eyes, they had the same eyebrows, they had the same nose, they had the same mouth, they had the same shape of skull. So I invited a colleague of mine by the name of Larry Rivera, who's mastered the principles of photogrammetry, which is the application of mathematics to the study of photographs, and had done superpositions to confirm our prior finding that the man in the doorway in a famous photograph taken by AP photographer James Ike Alchins at the time the Kennedy motorcade passed by the Texas School Book Depository was indeed Lee Harvey Oswald, where Larry compared uh, the, the the facial features and structure of Lee, which you do when you set their pupils equal distance apart. So this is called the interpupillary distance. He also had a photograph of Billy Lovelady, whom the government insists was the man in the doorway, but Billy himself thought it was very odd that he and Lee would be confused because he was two to three inches shorter, 15 to 20 pounds lighter plus billy had uh, gone into the fbi on the 29th of february 1964 wearing the shirt he'd worn at the time which was a short sleeve red and white vertically striped shirt completely different than the shirt on the man in the doorway which was long sleeve richly textured and worn so larry having done this brilliant definitive proof that the man in the doorway was indeed lee oswald i sent him two photographs one of the older stepbrother, Michael Vabner, one of the purported Noah Posner, without any identification, any background knowledge whatsoever. He had no idea this had anything to do with Sandy Hook. I just asked him, are these or are these not the same person? And he created a gif. And by God, you can watch Noah Posner turn into Michael Vabner. <laughs> yes. Or, uh, Jim, hold on one moment. It, what, yeah. one, one second here. Uh, Mike, are you still alive out there? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm here, buddy. Mike, as you are taking this all in and you are a photographer yourself, what is going through your mind? I must ask. Well, look, I, I, this is the first time I'm listening to Jim. Correct. And I mean, I have a lot of questions. I'm sure you and, do. You know, Definitely get in there. The same, yeah, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that to me, it's not so much the photography that concerns me. It, it's if I may, if I may, Go for it. I'm, I'm curious for, and if there's any listeners out there and Jim, please excuse me. I, I need to be the devil's advocate in these questions. That's Go my job. It, Mike. Go so for it, Mike. my first question to you would be, if, you know, stepping back when all this happened, uh, when it all went down, what convinced you, what possessed you to believe firmly that what happened, uh, happened in a different way as you describe it? So, Again, forgive me if I'm if I'm asking a question that you've already probably answered a hundred thousand times. But for the listeners, explain what changed, what made you think something else went down as opposed to what was uh, professed on the news. Well, let me give you a couple of dimensions to answer that question. First is I'd already done a tremendous amount of work on JFK. I'd already published three books that bringing together experts on JFK, including the World Authority on the Human Brain, who is also an expert on wound ballistics, a PhD in physics, who is also an MD and board certified in radiation oncology, which is a treatment of cancer using x-ray therapy. So he was an expert in the interpretation of x-rays. A physician who had been in trauma room number one when JFK's moribund body was brought in and two days later was responsible for the care and treatment of his alleged assassin, Lee Oswald. Okay. So I'd already I'd already published three books. Okay. Uh, that 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 was the first was Assassination Science published in 1998. The second Murder in Dealey Plaza 2000. The third The Great Zapruder Film Hoax published in 2003. So because my background is in the philosophy of science, because I'm an expert on scientific reasoning, having spent 35 years offering courses in logic, critical thinking, and scientific reasoning. I was very methodical in my approach, and I knew what I did not know and had the wisdom and good judgment to bring in experts who knew things I did not know and began to pioneer a methodology I then referred to as assassination science, but which a dear friend of mine has described as having been revolutionary because no one had ever thought of doing this kind of collaborative research on controversial subjects like an assassination. You'd have a lot of monographs, single authored works. But to me, it was much more important to bring in a group of highly skilled independent investigators and discover that their lines of research all converged in the for example, in the case of JFK, that they'd altered the x-rays to conceal a fist-sized blowout to the back of the head, that there was evidence internal to the x-rays of a second shot to the head, that the brain shown in diagrams and photographs in the National Archives isn't even the brain of JFK, that the Zapruder film has been massively edited and altered. It appears now that the original film would have had about a thousand frames, whereas the film we have now has 487. So more frames have been removed from the film than were present to begin with. Okay, but uh, but, but uh, if here, I may just if yeah, I may my, just interject, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to make one concluding point where it turns out that when you sort out the authentic from the inauthentic case, it falls together fairly straightforward fashion. I mean, we had about 
uh, 30 witnesses or more to the blowout at the back of the head, including physicians who gave drawings of what it looked like, and yet it wasn't present in the x-rays. In fact, the Warren Commission had used the x-ray, which had been patched, to dismiss all the eyewitness testimony, including Clint Hill, who was the first to observe it up close and personal when he rushed up the back of the vehicle and pushed Jackie back. He laid down over their bodies and described okay, vivid. But, but what I'm trying to ask is, uh, uh, you know, aside from all that, and I respect that, that what you did, uh, you know, the, the writing of the books for JFK, that great. But what I'm specifically asking here is is concerning the the shooting, uh, you know, the topic that we're d- discussing here. What made you feel that? Uh, what what drew you into a, a, a different idea of what went down? Well, well, let me answer that as I'm seeking to answer it by giving you my background, so that I'd be okay. aware that these kinds of things can be faked or fraudulent or misrepresented when most people might not even cross their minds. I'd also founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth to do research into the events in New York and in December 2015 and created a society, an international society involving researchers from all over the world, pilots, physicists, engineers, aeronautical, mechanical, civil, structural, you know, to pool our resources. And the organization took off like a rocket where I was maintaining the website. We were sponsoring lectures, organizing conferences, uh, putting out press releases. You know, it really worked fantastic so that by the end of 2006, we already had 800 members in four different categories. Now, the reason I say this is because having a background in the, the scientific reasoning where during my 35-year career, I published over two dozen academic scholarly books in particular about the nature of scientific reasoning, how it proceeds through four steps or stages, which are puzzlement, speculation, adaptation of hypotheses to evidence and explanation, where the best supported hypothesis you're entitled to accept in the tentative, infallible fashion of science, meaning that you know that even though it's the best supported, it might still be false, and where your conclusions are tentative because with the acquisition of additional evidence or alternative hypotheses, you may have to reject hypotheses you previously accepted, accept hypotheses you previously rejected, and leave others in suspense. When it came to Sandy Hook, I was at the time uh, a journalist for Veterans Today, which I began in 2011 at the invitation of Gordon Duff, who's the editor-in-chief. Now, when Sandy Hook occurred, I really hadn't paid much attention to it when Gordon asked me specifically to write an article about Sandy Hook based upon evidence he outlined for me. Now, this is the only time I ever did something like this to write an article at the suggestion of someone else. He told me that there were a number of uh, complicating factors here, that there were men who were dressed as nuns who were present, that a white van had been tracked back to a Mossad safe house in uh, Greenwich Village that was loaded with Nazi paraphernalia, and that this appeared to be a Mossad hit. Well, I didn't know better, and I wrote an article offering the speculation. It was never asserted to be uh, 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 definitive, and in fact, I'd done very little research on the subject at the time, but was following what Gordon had asked me to do. It turned out to be quite a blunder, because the more research I conducted, I realized that initial foray about Sandy Hook was completely mistaken. 
By the time I reached the point of editing the book in 2015, I myself had already published 30 articles on Sandy Hook. Uh, one of my contributors has already published 80. So we had a mass of evidence about the anomalies which are present from the beginning. I guess you could say that, you know, once I was introduced to the subject, although it wasn't my own idea, I felt it was response, my responsibility to dig in and sort it out and get it right. So that, you know, it was after I participated in a conference on academic freedom that I had organized uh, on the campus of the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, where we were, well, the very first conference was discussing 9-11, uh, had only three parts, well, that was a 9-11 conference, uh, academic freedom we were using. We were talking about the question, are there limits of inquiry in a, uh, in the academy? In other words, are you allowed to investigate whatever you want? And we were using JFK 9-11 and the Holocaust as our examples. And when I dug in to do research on the Holocaust, I couldn't believe how rapidly it just fell apart, that it could not be sustained. And it was after I returned from that conference that I discovered someone with Wikipedia had gutted my entry, which had been very thorough and detailed about my research on JFK, 9-11. I'd already done a great deal of research on Paul Wellstone, whose plane crash occurred just 60 miles north of my office on the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota. I'd been interviewed on Coast to Coast by Ian Punnett after I'd published the first article of hoping to debunk me, but I already knew enough about the case that he was unsuccessful. Similarly, when I was brought on to Hannity and Combs the first time in June of 2006, uh, they had uh, told me uh, that they wanted me to come on to talk about the discoveries of scholars about 9-11. But while I was in the waiting room, I asked them to bring in a TV. And when I saw Alan Combs saying, you're not going to believe what your students are being taught by their college professors, I knew they had been playing me but also that they didn't know enough about what I was doing in my courses to understand uh, the situation. So Holmes asked me as the opening question, is this a required course? And I explained, no, that I founded a research organization, uh, that I didn't have a course, but I thought it was a great idea because there's so much material to work with. And I actually seized control of the program from that point on. Uh, uh, Ollie North was sitting in for Sean Hannity on that occasion. A couple of months later, they brought me back, and Sean Hannity was in the chair instead of Ollie. And eventually, O'Reilly would bring me in, where O'Reilly was easily the most difficult to deal with because they had me sitting in a room here in a studio in Madison, where I'd moved after my retirement to a small village just south of Madison. So they had me come into a studio in Madison for a half an hour with bright lights in my face, and then just before the show begins, O'Reilly comes on, I'm going to tell the world that you hate your country. Boom, then I'm on the air. Did he really he say that to you, Jim? me with one ad hominem, and then he blasts me with a second ad hominem, wow. so you don't really have the opportunity to come back. I thought that had been quite a disaster until I was in New York with my wife, and I'd spoken at Cooper Union for a major 9-11 event. And we decided to go over to a nearby theater where Alex Jones was having a 9-11 conference. And they rolled out the red carpet for me. I was really very flattered. They put me up on a platform with the first responders. And when I sat down, a fellow sitting next to me leaned over and said it was watching you on, on uh, O'Reilly that convinced me 9-11 had been an inside job. And I decided at that point it all been worth it. <laughs> 
Meanwhile, I've been flown around the world to do this stuff. I was on a three and a half hour television program broadcast worldwide by satellite out of Athens, Greece, where they had all these fantastic video clips prepared. That was in December of 2006. I would be flown down to Buenos Aires twice to give lectures on JFK and 9-11. And unlike in the United so, States, so ultimately, hold on. So if, if I may just inter interject for a second. So ultimately, what you're telling me is that you approached this this topic, this bit of information, let's call it for now, let's just say it's information that was broadcast on the news about this massacre that took place in uh, Sandy Hook, and you approached it wanting to look for a, a, a difference of opinion or or based on something that you were informed? No, I wasn't informed by anything except that uh, Gordon Duff had asked me to write this piece. So you simply you simply just wanted to investigate it based on what someone told you, uh, you know, just no, someone no, said. No, 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 look, it was becoming a big deal, right? But there were so many anomalies in what was being broadcast that day. I mean, the things I just described already – Right. No, I get it. The videos from Sandy Hook, I just hadn't at that point gone back to look at them all and to begin to piece it together. So what happened was it went from my writing a single column for Veterans Today as a special request by the senior editor to becoming a research project where I brought together other experts on Sandy Hook and would wind up publishing the book and becoming, you know, a leading figure on what actually happened. But that's been my approach to all of these subjects. You may or may not know, Mike, but after the book was banned by Amazon, Mike Palachek, who was my series editor, who had suggested the title for the book and written the preface, whereas I'd brought together all the contributions, organized the content, positioned all the images and so forth, realized we need to have our own center of distribution. So we founded our own publishing company called Moon Rock Books which is you can find online at moonrockbooks.com. And as of today, we've published a dozen books at Moonrock Books. And believe it or not, Amazon has banned six of our books. My God. So I have is, you know, not just with Sandy Hook, but with the Boston bombing, with Orlando and Dallas, with Parkland, with Charlottesville. I think together other experts so we could pool our resources to sort out what happened. That's always been my driving motive, just to discover the truth, to sort out truth from fiction. And it's much more challenging and actually intellectually interesting when you're dealing with real events and not fictional. Yeah. Now, Jim, tell us what exactly was it about Sandy Hook that got your attention first? Well, as I say, Michael, I was kind of lured into it, you know, by having this assignment. But once I realized that that appeared to be nonsense, you know. I felt an obligation to get it right. To Understood. Get it right. And others were publishing. I mean, there were all these videos showing up. Uh, for example, he had this guy who was walking up and down Dickinson in a, in a, in a SWAT outfit, but carrying a, a, an automatic weapon upside down by the magazine. Hold I mean, on, now, Jim. That's absurd. There's Jim, no one second. Stuff. Jim, one, one moment, a, Jim. I was, a, I was a commissioned officer in the Marine Corps. At one uh, point, Jim, I, 50 I, I got to stop you there, Jim. One, one moment here. Mike, Mike, is that your bird in the background? I'm very sorry. <laughs> I, no. I, I, I kind of liked it. I thought me it was, too. No. Leave, leave the bird. He was chirping. I liked it. I apologize for that. I, 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 I recently adopted, I recently adopted an, another parrot. I have, I have three parrots now. There's, Whoa. There she goes. And uh, she, when she hears me talking, she gets a little excited. So 
Uh, as you know, Michael, in the past, when I had my other parrot oh, uh, yes. captain, the cockatoo, uh, he used to also talk in the middle of our um, in the middle of our conversations online that. here, and would interrupt with stuff like "hello" and. I'm <laughs> 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 up, Mike. I love it. Uh, good. Uh, yeah. uh, Speaking is that many researchers around the world. I mean, there must have been a, a hundred, maybe more. Who are making contributions? There was a guy named PK, PK Truth, down in Australia who was putting up brilliant videos, lampooning what was going on because there was such obvious fakery here. We had Robbie Parker, one of the alleged parents, comes out of a building all jocular and laughing, and then he turns and sees the accumulated press and pauses and hyperventilates to get in character and then starts talking about the death of his daughter Emily the day before in somber tones having the presence of mind to mention her donation website, it turns out this elaborate scam has been highly remunerative for the participants. We estimate sympathetic but gullible Americans have contributed between 27 and $130 million uh, to the survivors of the alleged decedents, which are 26 in number, so that if you divided it evenly between the 26 families, that's between one and five million bucks for pretending to have lost a child at Sandy Hook. Wow. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I have so many questions. I don't even know if we'd have enough time to talk about it all. But um, well, you, got, you got a few. Just give me a couple at the top of your head. Michael, do you have anything you want to add here or should I ask the question? I just wanted to quickly add if Jim wants to take any calls later tonight. I'm OK, Michael. Go for it. All right. Perfect. Go ahead, Jim. And Mike, go ahead. Well, ultimately, uh, um, I, I, I'm just curious. Uh, you must have taken a lot of flack for this, huh? He's taking a lot well, of heat. Actually, not. I mean, uh, you know, it's very odd. Uh, most people can't even bring themselves to consider it could have been fraudulent. But the fact is, the book was selling briskly. Uh, since I uploaded it for free as a PDF, a friend has estimated it's been downloaded over 10 million times. And, uh, you know... Uh, uh, James Tracy was making wonderful, very scholarly contributions. Wolfgang Halbig was doggedly determined to find out what was going on. Then, then Tracy was hit. I was actually the head of his legal defense fund until I myself was sued by Lenny Posner. Wolfgang won and prevailed in that suit, but now only, what about, uh, 10 days ago, there was a raid on his home in his gated community in Florida. And they rousted him out of bed in the middle of the night. They handcuffed him firmly and walked him through a cow pasture to the to the car to be booked and looking totally disheveled, uh, uh, claiming he had uh, you know committed a, a, a felony. I mean, it, by having possession of personal information about Leonard Posner that is actually rather widely available. So I mean, the whole thing is completely contrived. Now I've discovered by a phone call from a woman who seems to know quite a lot about what's going on, that she had learned from someone who be, appears to be deeply involved in all of this, that they planned to have Wolfgang involuntarily committed to a mental institution when he comes in for jury. So I've actually, with her permission, published our conversation, which runs about an hour. I put it on my Twitter, at Jim Fetzer. I have a friend who reminds me I need to mention that because I have been using Twitter thanks to his encouragement for about a year or so. And you can find this plot to, uh, you know, involuntarily incarcerate Wilking. 
you know, they're being very aggressive. In fact, Leonard Posner has boasted of having taken down 1,555 YouTube videos. Almost all were about Sandy Hook. Including ours, Jim. That's, we were taken down, too, by him. Yeah, there you go. Even even Michael Decon was taken down by Leonard Posner. That's right. It was bizarre. During my, during my uh, the legal proceeding, which culminated in a, in, a, in a summary judgment, which is only actually permissible if there are no disputed facts, and yet the authenticity of the death certificate was massively disputed, and I had the reports of two forensic document examiners on my side. The plaintiff had none on his, and yet the judge ruled completely improperly in violation of the protocols for summary judgment in favor of the plaintiff, which set me up for a trial for damages, where they brought in, uh, you know, a dozen uh, uh, Madison residents, all of whom were under the age of 30, none of whom professed to have even ever heard of Alex Jones, if you can believe that. And where they came in with, a, after a very emotional sob story that was completely manufactured and a host of false claims about me, uh, they came in with a judgment against me of $450,000 for defamation. And there are all kinds of reasons why that's simply stupendously absurd. I was asked by the Wisconsin State Journal reporter right after the, I learned the amount of the verdict. Because I arrived as the jury was emptying. I'd, I'd gone home. We didn't know how long it would take. And he asked me what I thought. And I just said the one word, absurd. What did I think <laughs> of the verdict? Absurd. Of course. So right, right, right now. Uh, we're in the process of appealing. We haven't even submitted my formal appeal as yet. But I mean, I'm telling you, these, these are called uh, slap suits, strategic lawsuits against public participation. They're actually illegal in 27 states where they file a lawsuit, not for its ostensive purpose. In this case, it was supposed to be defamation, but rather to punish the individual, the party, to get him to shut up and silence him from speaking out about, in this case, Sandy Hook, and to set an example for others that if they do as I have done by speaking out, then they may be dragged into court and it'll last a long time, which interesting Leonard Posner explained to uh, someone on a, on a blog where he was participating about losing the lawsuit to Wolfgang Halberg, where he withdrew after the judge directed he had to sit for a video deposition. He said, oh, no. The object was to make Wolfgang take down his Sandy Hook Justice website, and he did, and to set an example for others that if they do this, they're going to be dragged into court, and it's going to last a long time. So I even had that as evidence about the improper motivation of Lenny Posner in this lawsuit I presented long before we got to the summary judgment, but the judge, it all fell on deaf ears or blind eyes or whatever. It had no impact, whatever. So we're in the process of appealing. I do believe the grounds for appeal here are extremely strong and that the case will be reversed. Now, interestingly, the judge had not permitted me to present the mountain of evidence we have that Sandy Hook was a fabric, you know, a staged event, and therefore there would not be any authentic death certificates. He wouldn't let me present any of that evidence. Uh, he just ruled it out and said we had to just talk about the death certificate. And yet, in our motions after the verdict, he was just uh, responding to my attorney's motions, any one of which would have led to a reversal in the verdict. He had four motions. 
as though Sandy Hook had been proven to be totally authentic. So it was really kind of bizarre for me to live through this, where the judge is not allowing me to produce all my proof that this was a staged event. And then in replying to my and I only had an attorney, by the way, after the summary judgment, all the way through the summary judgment, I was representing myself pro se because I couldn't find an attorney who would be willing to represent the case being such a hot potato. But now when uh, my attorney had four really strong motions for reversal of the judgment, the court went ahead and just wrote as though this was Sandy Hook was bona fide and everything was on the up and up. Right. I mean, really incredible. And to live through this, what, what you discover is that the law has been weaponized to be used to club those who are seeking to expose the truth about these events. Now, Mike, I'm not expecting you to believe all this without looking at the evidence. I'm just telling you the way it is based upon rather massive evidence I've done about this. I've published a very large number of blogs and done a great many interviews. So you're not, you're almost certainly not going to have a question that I haven't encountered before. And I, oh, I, 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 I imagine that. My, my whole, my, and don't get me wrong. I appreciate what yeah. you're saying about, you know, you're having written the books and I respect your, your background, your education, so on and so forth. Um, you know, with all, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I haven't read the books that you, you, you published. No, I, know. I know you haven't. They yeah. sound incredibly in, in, in interesting. Um, I should pick them up at some point. Um, so you have to understand, I, I jumped on this interview at the last moment with Michael. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, so I, don't mind, I don't mind at all, Mike, and I understand all the caveats. Yeah, you can just I lay off, lay off, go ahead, whatever bothers I'm you. Just, I'm just trying to do my job as the devil's advocate to, to, uh, to ask questions that might either myself, Michael, or the sure. audience would be sure. interested in hearing. So, you know, I'm sure you've been you've been hit with a lot of them that are, you know, that that question your abilities in whether or not you've made the right decision on determining if if this is a fraud or not. Yeah, it's a massive fraud. But I mean, I, as you'd find if you read the book, I talk about is was it. Uh, was it real or was it an illusion? Interestingly, the distinction between reality and appearance or reality and illusion is a classic philosophical issue. So I'd even been dealing with this as a professional philosopher for a 35-year career. You know, what I'm doing in many ways is the application of the principles of critical thinking that I'd been teaching for all those years. And the whole purpose of the book is to inform the public about what a group of serious scholars found when they approach this as a research project. And uh, remarkably enough, again and again and again, we have shown the government's account has no foundation whatsoever, and it was designed for political purposes. And that's true whether you're talking about JFK or 9-11 or Wellstone or Sandy Hook or the Boston bombing or Charlottesville and so forth. And the fact that Amazon has banned six of our books, think about it, Mike, that's absolutely stunning. Here you got a little publishing house. We have 12 books, and Amazon has banned six. You know, to the best of my knowledge, the banning of Nobody Died at Sandy Hook was the first in America in forever. It ought to have been a big deal. There's something called Project Censored out in California, and I think Project Censored itself is censored because they never said a word, never said a peep about the banning of Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. Mike Adams, on the other hand, of Natural News, who's a wonderful guy, interviewed me three different times 
And he eventually came back and interviewed me again after this long history of having my stuff banned and all that, did an interview with me. And I thought initially, because he delayed six or eight weeks getting it out, that he wasn't going to publish it. But then he did under the title, uh, Most Dangerous Mind in America, because he appreciated what I'd been doing and bringing together all these experts and exposing that Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Charlottesville, Parkland, and so forth were all complete scams, and they're all politically motivated to promote gun control. Now you have this billionaire, uh, Michael Bloomberg, actually buying up state legislatures. He went for 16, he got 14. Most importantly in Virginia, where you have a lot of anti-gun zealots who are now passing extreme gun control measures, and because most of Virginia is a rural county, and the farmers who live in these remote farmhouses know if they don't have the weapons to defend themselves, then they and their families, their daughters, their sons, their wives are at the mercy of roving urban gangs who are out to rape and loot and pillage. So this le state legislature is getting a very uh, uh, bad, very negative reaction. In fact, there was a major rally in Richmond here at the beginning of the year that we thought might make some impact, but it apparently has not. And these, uh, these people are just acting like automatons. They're oblivious of the fact that Americans use guns as much as three million times every year to defend themselves. That on the average, they're saving around 200,000 American lives every year. If you added up all the deaths from all these stage killings, you might get about 200. I'm talking about 200,000, a thousand times more than all those shootings combined are being saved by the use of guns. It's a, completely brainless approach with this Governor Northam, and I'm telling you, they may even precipitate a new American civil war over this issue because, look, the reason that shots were fired at Lexington and Concord is because the British were coming, not over taxation, but to take the colonists' guns. That's what it was all about. So the American Revolution, the first revolution, was fought to preserve our right to keep and bear arms, and it may be that we're going to have to wage a second for the very same purpose. I understand what you're saying, and I got to tell you, I am incredibly surprised that Amazon would pull a book no matter what it's about. Uh, the fact that you wrote a controversial subject about an issue that took place that, you know, based uh, your claim against the claim of some, you know, the news and, and the government and whatever, it's, it's astonishing. Uh, no matter what it is, it, it, it's your opinion. It, it, it's whether it's a controversial subject or not, the fact that they pulled it, I find absolutely mind boggling. It's very yeah, strange. Now they've, now they've done six times, Mike, six times. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Think about it. I agree with you. It's mind boggling that this has happened in the United States where we have a First Amendment that preserves right. the freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and so forth. And Google. You know, uh, Amazon, you know, claims to have the right to do this, but it's really an abdication of its role as a book distributor because now they're playing the role of a book censor. Right. And we find the same thing going on with YouTube and Facebook. I was locked out of my Facebook page about two years ago. Uh, YouTube has taken down, I don't know, probably a hundred of my videos. I now have them archived at 153news.net and at BitChute. But Lenny Posner was even coming into my blog and removing blogs about Sandy Hook. I had to move to a more secure blog site to keep him from doing that. And I guarantee you, he's the only guy who had the motive, the means, and the ability. The guy's extremely talented when it comes to 
IT, and he appears to be the tip of the spear when it comes to internet censorship. Right. I mean, Jim, I gotta, I gotta amazing, jump in here. Michael, it's just amazing right. the role he plays here. He's like the fulcrum around which this all revolves. I gotta jump in here really quickly and ask both of you this question. Is the truth dead? Is journalism dead? Is freedom of thought dead? Great question. Well, well, mainstream media journalism is most decidedly dead. In fact, every time you hear one of these guys saying, talking about a false conspiracy theory when they haven't done any research and they would have no idea whether it were true or false, but they've been instructed to use the word false, you know, you're, you're engaged, they're engaged in advocacy journalism. They're not being objective. And you find this all the time now. I have for quite a while referred to the New York Times as the Langley newsletter because it's so massively infested by the CIA. The whole business began back in the 1950s. It's called Operation Mockingbird, where the agency began infiltrating the mainstream media such that by 1975, William Colby, then its director, testified to Congress, get this, that the agency owned everyone of any significance in the media it was followed two years later by Carl Bernstein's article, The CIA and the Media and Rolling Stone, 1977, in which he explained that officials of the agency had boasted that their greatest successes had been with Time Life, the New York Times, and CBS. Well, if you were aware of the dissemination of news in that era, if you controlled Time Life, the New York Times, and CBS, you had a lock on what went out to the American people. So it's extremely powerful. With the Internet, we had a golden age of about 15 years before the massive threat posed by the Internet became obvious and people began connecting, sharing their research, exchanging their views, putting up documents to demonstrate what they discovered, which is what I have been then encouraging and benefiting from a collaborative Internet research. I've even organized virtual conferences. I did a virtual conference on academic freedom. I did another virtual conference on 9-11 by doing the interviews with the participants without having to bring them all together into one place. I mean, I have, in fact, chaired or co-chaired five national conferences on JFK in 1999, 2000, 2001, 2003, and then 2013 on the 50th Observance, and a number of conferences on uh, 9-11 in Madison in 2007, in London in 2010, in uh, Vancouver in 2012, and then been flown, you know, Athens and Buenos Aires, as I already mentioned. So uh, I, I believe very strongly in the Internet as a medium of communication and research. There, there are those who say you can find anything on the Internet. Which, which used to be true, at least. Now it's so censored. You know, you used to go to something like Sandy Hook and you get all the arguments for and all the arguments against. Now you only get the arguments for because they've censored or obliterated the arguments against. But it used to be that you could find everything on the Internet, which was a great advantage because that meant you could get the arguments pro and con and sort them out for yourself. That's my own area of specialization as a professional philosopher sorting out arguments, evaluating the relationship between evidence and hypotheses, which I'm now applying systematically to all of these fabricated events. Well, I mean, I don't begin assuming they're fabricated. They just turn out to have been. So, I mean, look, if I got evidence that showed conclusively Sandy Hook really was real and and the FEMA report was fabricated and there, there wasn't really a drill and there wasn't really a sign and there weren't really people with 
name tags on lanyards. But look what a stretch that would be. I mean, it's taken us years to sort all this out. Uh, not only do, Mike, just uh, before you give me another question, not only have uh, has our own research not been shown to be wrong, but more recent research in 2018, for example, Robert David Steele, who's former CIA and has become a whistleblower, um, uh, edited a, a series of memoranda on Sandy Hook for the President of the United States. I had previously assisted him in doing a series of memoranda for the president on 9-11, where I brought in about half of the contributors. Well, I brought in virtually all of the contributors on Sandy Hook, but some of them were new, hadn't contributed before, and they were all offering new research, new observations, which confirmed and rounded out the research we'd done before. I mean, I'm telling you, the evidence has settled down sufficient that if you're familiar with the evidence, you're certainly entitled to accept as an explanation that it was a FEMA drill presented as mass murder to promote gun control. Now, Jim, I have to jump in here really quickly. I'm not quite sure if Mike is familiar with Robert David Steele. Mike, are you familiar with him? Uh, give me a hint. Well, uh, the name doesn't strike a, a, a bell, yeah. but give me a hint. I see. Well, he's a rather formidable guy. Mm -hmm. He has a website that's pretty impressive, and he has a formidable intellect. He was the He's been the largest reviewer of books on Amazon. I don't know. He's reviewed 3,000 books for Amazon. I mean, the guy's truly prolific in, his, in the scope of his reading. He has an excellent mind, and he's involved in a whole lot of activities. So this is a formidable guy, former CIA. He believes in open source intelligence. and In other words, all, all U.S. intelligence ought to be open to the public, and a lot of it is actually based on publicly available sources, so we know what's going on. He would be for curtailing, you know, uh, activities or operations by the CIA and returning it to its original conception as an intelligence gathering agency. If that were possible, obviously that would be a good thing. He has a, he's just a fortified, he just bristles with good ideas about what could be done to improve government. He'd make a wonderful advisor to a president of the United States. If someone like Donald Trump, for example, were to listen to Robert David Steele, he'd be light years ahead. Let me just jump in here really quickly. I recently heard an interview he did that he conducted. He was the host. Now, for those who forgot, he did go on the Alex Jones show and say there was sex trafficking going on in Mars. Now, I'm not making that up. <laughs> I know, I know I'm not I, making I that up. He did say that. I, like that comes from, Jim, let me know, explain you. Let me explain to you where it comes from. It's supposed to be in order to preserve his life, well, he's let got me to tell say you, something that could be cited to be discrediting, because <laughs> I'm telling you, I I have not paid attention to that aspect, but, uh, you know, uh, another fellow, uh, Andrew, let's see, uh, Weber, he was a judge at my Vancouver hearings. He has a website. He, he has an associate who claims to have been transported to Mars. So I find all this complete and utter nonsense myself. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard uh, to... You know, there it is. So, right. I mean, if you wanted to use it against him, I'm just telling you, I've got a mountain of good work he's done. Oh, no doubt. Aside that, so. No doubt. I'm not trying to uh, throw mud at him at, by any oh, means. I, I, it's I, just... I, know you're not, I know you're not, Michael, and, and I find it just as surprising. It's a little and, odd. Shall we say bewildering as do you? you know? Yes, I was just thrown back by it. However, he's I... He's actually involved. He's a counsel to an organization that seems to be seeking to expose pedophilia worldwide which is a good thing i'm not against yeah. that whatsoever yeah. 
He didn't yeah. say these claims on the Alex Jones show saying that there was sex trafficking yeah. going on in Mars for those that aren't familiar. And again, I'm not making that up. I don't know, I don't know where he got that from, to be honest with you. And another thing I, I, I got to ask here and throw it. Well, not that I have to ask. I have to throw it out there for those that don't know. Uh, I'm beginning to believe he got this from a man by the name of Bill Tompkins. I'm sure. I think that's his last name. I think that's where he was getting at this. And he had interviewed, yeah, Bill Tompkins. That's his name. And that's where he was getting all this um, information from. But the whole sex trafficking thing, that's something that he must have uh, thrown in there for. I don't know. I really don't understand why he threw that part in there. But there had been a talk Alfred, about Alfred a secret Weber, space program. Alfred for Weber is the other guy I was talking, who's also into this Mars business and right. who has an associate. Basiago, I don't know, claims to have been teleported to Mars and all that. Yeah, okay. I, I, it's hard to buy. I, I, I find this, it's a hard sell. I find it ridiculous <laughs> yeah, on its face, but I'm telling you, he's, he's a good guy. so though. much good work. I'm not that denying it's that. Just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just kind of baffling. You know, I yeah, just, I'm not sure personally why. Personally, to one side, but it's, it's, it's true. I mean, I, I absolutely acknowledge what you're saying, Michael. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm just taken back by why he would sort of go down the route and talk to these individuals out there who might be leading him the wrong way. No, but a friend of mine who has deep intel connections say some of these people have to say things that can be used to discredit them in order to preserve their lives. That it's actually existential. For sure, for sure. Jim, now it is that time to sort of get right into the political realm. And I just wanted to ask you about the never-ending Trump saga. What are your thoughts with all the latest with our president, Donald J. Trump? Well, this week has been absolutely unbelievable, good for the Republicans, cat catastrophic for the Democrats. We began with the Iowa caucuses. It's evident that there's an effort to stop Bernie, and they were going all out using this app as one of the devices to make sure he didn't emerge at the top of the heap. He actually got 6,000 more votes than any other candidate in the first wave, which is the most like a primary where everyone just comes in and votes for the candidate they most prefer. Then they go through a stage where you eliminate those who receive less than 15%, and you have to negotiate as to who you're now going to support. And he and Buttigieg came out neck and neck by maybe a hair. Buttigieg uh, seems he may have prevailed over Bernie in the final talent, but not in the original. See, Bernie has declared a victory because he got 6,000 more votes, and as he's appropriately observed where he comes from, if you get 6,000 more votes over your closest competitor, you won, and I agree with that. Yeah. Not only, not only do I agree with that, but there was a lot of funny business going on. This app appears to have been uh, uh, made up by a company that received a lot of money from the Buttigieg people that it was staffed by people who are Hillary and Obama holdovers. Uh, Hillary has a passionate dislike of Bernie, oh, and, I think? Say, and I think there's a massive effort here to try to suppress Bernie. Remember, they sabotaged Bernie back in 2016 by by Debbie Wasserman Schultz shifting 13 primaries that Bernie had legitimately won to Hillary's column to guarantee she'd be the nominee. Now, frankly, because Bernie's foreign policy overlapped with Trump's in relation to the Middle East, by both declaring that they want to get our forces out of the Middle East and, you know, reallocate the money to benefit the United States, which is part of 
Trump's America First policy. Uh, and while Bernie's domestic program, certainly at that point, I think would have been more appealing than Trump's, I believe actually if they'd let democracy work and Bernie had emerged as their nominee, that he would be president of the United States today. They didn't do that then. And it looks as though they're going to try and deny him again. I think in, in mistaken beliefs, it seemed to be focusing a lot on this notion of democratic socialism. But as Michael Moore was observing during an interview just the other night, you know, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt could be described as a democratic socialist because he had government programs that benefit the people. He was even citing another earlier democratic socialist, though they weren't known by that name at that time, who was talking about how it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. <laughs> yes. I thought that was pretty damn impressive. I mean, you know, Michael Moore is a great guy to have on your side. I mean, believe me, Trump has been doing things in the Middle East that I regard as completely disgraceful. The assassination of Soleimani was a uh, was a war crime. It was a violation of international law of the UN Charter. It was a preemptive attack on another nation, which under the Charter is only permissible under two conditions if you have permission of the UN Security Council, which was not the case, or there, if there were an imminent threat, which required an immediate response, which was also not the case. So he violated the UN Charter, which is connected to the United States by a treaty where under the Constitution, treaties have the same status under the law as the Constitution itself. So if you wanted an example of a bona fide impeachable offense for which Trump could rightly be held accountable, there is one. Another is the sanctions on Iran. This is a form of collective punishment that is proscribed by international law, the Geneva Conventions and the UN Charter, because you're punishing the whole population for actions by its political leaders. That is not permissible. We did the same thing in Iraq. We had this no-fly zone. It led to the deaths of some 500,000 Iraqis, most of whom were children and infants, where Madeleine Albright, during the 60 Minutes interview, was asked had it been worth it, and she turned to the camera and assured the public, oh, yes, having the no-fly zone was worth those 500,000 deaths in Iraq. Well, this is insane. This is inhumane. And therefore, Trump is also subject to impeachment for violating the Geneva Conventions and the UN law by these sanctions on Iran. And I do not understand why no one has raised that issue. I've never heard a peep in the in the national media about either of these points, that, that he's actually violating his oath of office to uphold the Constitution because we're tied to the UN Charter by treaties. And therefore, it has the same status as the Constitution itself, where he took an oath to, to preserve and, and, and defend from all enemies, foreign and domestic, including himself. Now, the fact is that it's not made any waves. Most of the American public approve of what he did in taking out Soleimani, who was actually a, a military a genius of a very high order. He was the greatest master of counterterrorism the world has ever known. He used the disparate resources of Iraq, of Lebanon, of Syria, of Iran to defeat ISIS, which was this mercenary terrorist army that had been created by the United States, by Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State, John Brennan when he was Director of the CIA, Barack Obama, President of the United States, to bring pressure on the Assad government in Syria where Syria, incidentally, is already a democracy, and Assad is the democratically elected president of Syria, enjoys the support of 80% of the Syrian people, a substantially higher percentage than our president enjoys. 
So we can't be bringing freedom and democracy to Syria. What we can be doing is destroying it. And where, you know, he was successful in destroying ISIS, which we created and which we and Israel were maintaining. Amazing. So I, I damn him for that and for other actions he'd made, such as declaring Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel, when that had to be part of a complex resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian problem for saying that the Golan Heights belonged to Israel, when it's recognized internationally as Syrian territory occupied by the Israelis, compounded by the discovery of a vast reservoir of natural gas, which would be beneficial to the whole Palestinian people by defunding the International Refugee Organization, it would have assisted Palestinians by expanding the definition of anti-Semitism here in the United States by an executive order that makes it now a form of anti-Semitism to criticize the government of Israel, the actions of the government of Israel, which is a manifest absurdity and a violation of the First Amendment. There's a third impeachable act you could bring against Trump that I myself would support. And then, of course, this absurd peace plan, which is completely ridiculous, had all kinds of intolerable aspects and really would mean the death of the possibility of a two-state solution. It's really a joke to anyone who's looked at it. None of that has created a ripple. He follows this fiasco in uh, Iowa, where, believe me, there's no doubt about it that this is an effort to destroy him, and they're attempting to use Buttigieg as the instrument to do it where Bernie has astutely pointed out that 40 billionaires are supporting Buttigieg to take out Bernie because Bernie would dramatically increase taxes on billionaires. So in their own self-interest, they're trying to destroy his candidacy. Then Trump had a soaring State of the Union. And apart from the passages about Iran, which I regarded as faintly absurd, it was masterful. You had a generally common response, and it was not only an excellent State of the Union, perhaps the best State of the Union they'd ever heard. And of course, it was all, you know, uh, featured various reality show elements where the guy's a genius when it comes to public relations and his mastery of the media. And where he gave the Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh. Now, look, I, I have had a long history of supporting Democratic candidates as the better of the choices available. I voted for Bill Clinton twice. I voted for Barack Obama twice, but when it came to Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton, it was to me no contest. Right. Hillary is a monster. She she savaged Libya. She slaughtered the Libyan people and even butchered Gaddafi himself. He didn't put up a fight. He was traveling in a convoy under a white flag of surrender to a location specified by the Department of State. When Hillary had his convoy interdicted and had him savagely murdered, castrated, and sodomized with a bayonet, about which she would later cackle and laugh, paraphrasing Julius Caesar, who had observed in relation to the Gallic Wars, I came, I saw, I conquered. She said, we came, we saw, he died, cackle, cackle, cackle. This is an inhumane monster of a person who still thinks she might have a chance of beating Donald Trump. We finally got the explanation, by the way, for her popular vote turnout. Robert Epstein, who's the editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, who has more than 30 years of experience in the behavioral science, has been studying the elections of 2016-2018 and the role of the Internet and Google, and has discovered that Google used its Internet in its uh, algorithm basically uh, to remind only Democrats to get out and vote. 
that increased Hillary's take in 2016 by between 2.6 and 10.4 million votes. So if you want to know why Hillary seemed to win the popular vote, it's because not because Trump didn't win because of any Russian interference. Hillary nearly won because of Google interference. This also explains why the Democrats retook the House of Representatives in 2018 and where he's warning the public that they're going to gear up for 2020 and go all out so that in case, unless something is done, no matter how powerfully Trump is positioned for re-election, and I guarantee you he is, a recent uh, poll by uh, Rasmussen showed that 34% of black likely voters are supporting Donald Trump. 34% of black likely voters are supporting Donald Trump because the economy is so good, black unemployment is so reduced, and because he's not allowing immigrants to come in and take the low-wage jobs on which their quality of life depends. So they're supporting Trump on multiple grounds. This is coming a great shock to the Democrats, but if they have Google providing, you know, Tens of millions of excessive votes. Who knows what the outcome will be? I'm telling you, it's got nothing to do with Russia. It has to do with Google and the corrupt Democratic apparatus. And then you had Nancy Pelosi ripping up the State of the Union speech, which was disgraceful conduct. You even had Jonathan Turley, of all people, who's a left-wing law professor at George Washington, who had testified at the request of the Democrats about the impeachment hearing as to why Trump ought to be impeached saying now, based upon her behavior, her misconduct, that this was so disgraceful, she ought to resign as speaker. That's not me. I might share that opinion. That's Jonathan Turley, which is completely extraordinary. And of course, you had the final vote where the outcome was not unexpected with a 53 to 47 majority in the Senate, where it takes two thirds or 67 votes to remove the president from office. It was never a reasonable expectation. But where everything came out party line except for Mitt Romney, who crossed <laughs> a vote against him for an abuse of power, in, indeed, in relation to requesting the Ukrainian government to investigate Barisma. Well, the Democrats are lauding this as a great act of principle, but typically, Romney, it's shallow and self serving because Romney was tied in with Barisma. I gather his own son was on the board of Burisma. By the way, he Jim, Jim, I got to jump in here really quick. At the same time as Hunter Biden. Jim, I got to jump in here really quickly with you. I got to, I got to ask you this since we are talking about the Democrats here. And I've asked you this before in the past, but uh, Pete Buttigieg or Buttigieg, whatever, how, how are the fuck you pronounce his name? I don't even know how. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but do you think, yeah, do you think America is ready for uh, a homosexual to be president? Mike and Jim, go ahead. I made the observation. We've already had, uh, you know, people talk about Buttigieg and having a first husband. Well, we've already had that, except it wasn't known. And they were Barack and Michelle Obama, where she was born, Michael Robinson. She played football for Oregon State. She adopted a female uh, persona when she transferred to Princeton, from which I graduated myself. Uh, uh, her physician walked into her in a trailer in Trenton during a campaign where she was taking a leak standing up. My He's God. He's been paid millions for his silence, but he believes it's too important that the public needs to know that 
Michelle Obama is not a man who underwent a sex transformation. <laughs> Michelle Obama is a man who has breast implants. My God. <laughs> I've been making this point because I don't believe in fraud and fakery, and these people have been baffling, you know, faking out the American people, and I find it completely disgusting. In fact, Barack Obama was well-known in Chicago for a torrid love affair he had with Rahm Emanuel in the bathhouses in Chicago, and then when he's elected president, he makes, brings Rom along with him to the White House. You know, you know, Michael, this may not oh be on your desktop, but that in the WikiLeaks revelations, there was one about Barack having spent 25, maybe it was $35,000 of taxpayer money to fly in hot dogs and pizza from Chicago. Well, you knew there was something odd about that because the White House doesn't allow any food to be delivered from the outside. If you're talking about real hot dogs and real pizza, obviously they'd be stale and have to be reheated. I mean, it's a stupid idea. It turns out those are slang terms in Pizzagate for little boys and little girls. So Barack Obama shelled out twenty-five or $35,000 to fly little boys and little girls in from Chicago for a private party at the White House. How bad is that? That's pretty bad. insane. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on Pete Buttigieg or Buttigieg or Buddha something? Buddha Gaguga. <laughs> uh, my personal opinion, and I don't want to cause controversy because I've already lost a lot of friends already with oh, you, my stance in really? politics. Oh, no. Yeah, I've lost a number of people who uh, – I'm shocked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty outspoken and I believe in – I love you know, that. Yes. Thank you. Unfortunately, not everybody appreciates it, and those who are on, um, primarily on the Democratic side, uh, even though I'm not a Republican, um, neither am I. I, I you, right now, now you know, I've told you in the past, I was a Democrat. That's right. I was politically correct, and I was a liberal for 26 years, and it was Barack Hussein Obama who made me change that because I positively despised him, and I thought he was a danger to this country. However. So the question you asked me was, what did I think about Buttigieg? All right. As a personal individual, I like a president like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I want somebody that's got a set of, I want somebody that's got a set of balls on them that is going to protect my country and make sure that I feel comfortable. I did not feel comfortable with Hussein Obama at the helm. As a matter of fact, it's one of the main reasons I moved out of Kearney, Kearney, New Jersey. Uh, which was 10 minutes from the Holland Tunnel by New York City, I felt that we were going to be attacked again. I felt that there was going to be a ter terrorist attack and possibly a dirty bomb that would go off. So I felt very uncomfortable with uh, Hussein Obama in power, and therefore I left New Jersey. Um, so I, I don't know if – look, I got nothing against homosexuals. Uh, so I've known homosexuals throughout my life, especially in the music career. There's a lot of music, you know, a lot right. of people in, in the music industry right. and, and the scene that are gay. And I got no problem with that. I really don't. However, I don't think that the country is ready for a, a, a homosexual, uh, be it man or woman, as a president. And I only say that because we are in a – and, and you know you can you can cut me down for this answer, but I feel that the country is in a dire situation, and we need somebody with balls. We I hear need you, somebody Mike. that's going to handle things right. correctly, whether no, it's Mike. militarily mm -hmm. or financially. The the reason why I'm even asking 
both of you this question is because both of you already realize that this is a quote unquote Christian nation. And, you know, most of the Christians out there wouldn't support a homosexual. And I'm thinking, you know, he has his work cut out for him. I just don't think well, my, America Michael, would back he's him. young and inexperienced. He's only been the mayor of a city of what a hundred thousand, South Bend, Indiana. That's another I mean, thing. He, he's 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 unqualified. He That's is, right. however, he's very articulate. He's very intelligent. He, yeah. he he speaks well. He makes a favorable personal impression. But when it comes to whether he has the gravitas. To serve as president over and beyond his being openly gay right. and having a first husband, he doesn't begin to cut it. He is an ad hoc instrument to try to damage Bernie Sanders. That's why he's there, and that's why 40 billionaires are supporting him. And you're going to find, I think, in short order, he'll be cut down to size, but he may have done enough damage that, you know, if we have a brokered convention, that's where the Democrats, the DNC, that is, want to bring in their favorite candidate. And for God's sake, I mean, it it better not be Hillary. Hillary, it turns out, has been using body doubles ever since her collapse at that 9-11 memorial. And I have documented her use of six to eight. She had a more recent one this year that looked like a chipmunk. But it, it, <laughs> the New York Times in early 2017 yes. had a report about Hillary's in the house about her attending four plays on Broadway each of which was accompanied with photographs. And I wrote the author and said, you know, that was a, those were very, that was a very interesting report, but none of those were Hillary. <laughs> and, and if you want to find right. the proof, uh, uh, it's called uh, Fake News Issues of Identity at 153news.net, where I document six to eight Hillary body doubles, most stunningly during the debate with Bernie Sanders and with Donald Trump in 2016, that was a Hillary body double. She was younger, lighter, healthier, much more pleasant. She had a voice box that gave her voice exactly the quality of Hillary Clinton. You're hearing Hillary Clinton's voice, but that is not Hillary Clinton's body. And I, I document right there. In the, I mean, it's astounding because this was on the national stage. I mean, this was before the whole effing world right? that this stunt was being pulled and, you know. Yeah, Hillary believes she actually beat Donald Trump, which she did not beat Donald Trump. And it was this Google manipulation that made it appear as though she'd won the popular vote, which wasn't even true. For the record, In fact, I've got an independent mm -hmm. statistician by the name of Richard Charnin, who has a book that has not been banned on Google, showing that Trump actually even won the popular vote in spite of Google's efforts. Before I get any heat, I just wanted to quickly add that I am in California and I don't hate the gay community at all, by the way. <laughs> Lots of the gay community really has. Uh, Look, people really have like gay me. friends. I mean, what sure. the hell? I don't have any problem with gays. I'm a different strokes for different folks kind of guy. I just don't believe in hypocrisy and fraud. I believe in truth and advertising. Right, right. They came out and said, you know, I'm Barack Obama and I'm gay and I'm married to Michael Robinson, who's a guy, a man with breast implants, and our children are borrowed from their physician, where a diligent student actually tracked down their parents and the older girl looks just like her father, the younger just like her mother. The whole thing is a total fraud. We want to be honest with you, the American people, so you know what you're getting if you vote for us. I, I don't like to put up with bullshit. We've right. had too much bullshit. I agree, the Jim. Democrats, the Democrats are specializing in bullshit. I, you know, there was a time when I, I thought the Republican Party was a bunch of fuddy-duddies. <laughs> fuddy-duddies. Today, the modern Republican Party, which Trump has transformed, is actually a populist party. 
there's a wonderful article about uh, Trump's State of the Union and about how he's giving us a, a, a new New Deal, very much in the spirit of Franklin Roosevelt, except it's it's a kind of energetic government that's intended to benefit the working man and woman and give the people what they really need rather than the Democrats' dreams. They're living in a state of illusion, a state of mass illusion. And they're open borders and grabbing the guns. And, and you know, they've even got an idea to revise the Constitution that makes illegal immigrants have more benefits than American citizens. I mean, it's just staggering. There's, there's no way... They're going to win. The latest uh, 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 poll by Gallup gave Trump a 49% approval rating, and it's going up. And frankly, all that Gallup is known to be favorable to the Democrats, and all the polling tends to have a five-degree suppression of Trump voters who won't identify them. So when they report 49, it's actually 54%. Trump's going to be reelected unless... They managed to steal the election using Google. That's their only out, I guarantee it. Turns out Michael, Michael Bloomberg, Trump impaled him, called him Mini Mike, said he was negotiating to have a stool or a box he could stand mm. on. He's apparently only five foot six tall. Wow. I saw a photograph of him sitting in a chair next to Michelle Obama, and Michelle Obama was twice the size of Mike Bloomberg. Big Mama Michelle. Yeah, it was Big Mike and Little Mike. <laughs> oh, that's true. My God. Yes. Bloomberg's a petty tyrant. You know, he's trying to buy the election. I, if you watch the Democratic debate, by the way, this latest one was extremely good. As debates go, it was one of the best I've ever seen. Every participant was on their game. They were all making very telling points, making them very clearly. This guy, Tom Steyer, made very good points. Uh, Andrew Yang was excellent. They're trying to tout this Amy Kobachar, who's utterly pedestrian. I mean, this is a nobody, but they're trying to find somebody they can promote because they're so much afraid of Bernie because Biden is so seriously injured by the exposure of all the corruption in Ukraine and where Elizabeth Warren is some kind of joke. She just had six women of color resign from her staff in Nevada because they felt they were just token you know, they weren't being taken seriously. And, and you know, Elizabeth Warren is just a, f- a fraud from beginning to end. So, Sorry, I but, wanted to join the, the parents. Buttigieg is a battering ram to bash Bernie. And, uh, you know, they're going to try to pull some funny kind of stunt at a brokered convention in Milwaukee, which is only two hours from my home near Madison. So, My God. Now, Jim, earlier today, I heard a bit of your interview with, I believe it was Scott Bennett, and you talked about Kobe Bryant, of all people, and you fully believe and firmly believe that it was all bullshit, correct? Michael, I got to tell you, this really astonished me. Three of us. Because we had a third participant, uh, Danny Cirrus, who himself knows a great deal about airplanes. He's a pilot himself. We went through all the evidence, and I'm telling you, that is not a helicopter there in that debris. The parts that should be there aren't there. I mean, there are parts of this, an aircraft of that kind that are missing that would have to be there. Uh, This is reminiscent of, of Shanksville and even the Pentagon, frankly. This is one where... You know, and, and in addition of my research on Wellstone, because uh, he died in a plane crash, which also was no accident. But this, we, we concluded, honestly, I began 
tried to determine whether this were an accident or an assassination, and we wound up concluding that it was completely staged. The evidence isn't even there. Let me give you one illustration. They have discovered the sound of a helicopter it was recorded by one of these little bell phones, but the bell phone is, is, is the motion sensor activated, and the sound of a helicopter wouldn't motion activate it. So what they did was to use the vision of this uh, camera and added an audio tape to make it look as though it was flying over this home in Glendale, where I as a child actually lived when I was about three years old for a while. I mean, and the pile of debris, it's inconsistent, but all the stories about it, it's not the chopper, doesn't appear to be the same chopper Colby bought, which has this dark webbing over. It was kind of a luxury helicopter. The one that crashed was uh, dark blue, white, blue, and white, and, but it was only partial. There were some remnants. We Scott Bennett had noticed that it was on this path, and the path is big enough that you could actually run a truck up there. And it now looks as though the reason the debris was on the path is because they took a dump truck up there and they dumped it on the path. But I got to ask you a question. Jump in there. What would make you think that, uh, what, what was his name? Kobe what? Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. Why would Kobe Bryant fake a death? I, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm telling you what we established, what we established, and I guarantee you, you got a two-hour program where we go through the evidence and you can watch it and draw your own conclusion. I was surprised because it was the three of us collaborating and we were picking out different aspects of the situation and how it fit together, and I guarantee you, I'm now convinced it was staged. The, the motivation appears to have been, and this is where Scott Bennett, who's a former Army Intel and PSYOPs officer, it was an elaborate PSYOP. What had you had going on? Well, you had all this stuff of impeachment with Trump, but it was all falling apart. And then you had this chaos in Iowa, and it was looking really bad for the Democrats. But when you have a traumatic event like this, it has an emotional effect that tends to cause you no longer to be able to exercise your cognitive faculties and you lose your capacity to concentrate. It appears that the motivation was purely political. They needed to pull off some kind of stunt as kind of an exercise in mass psychology. I mean, it's bizarre. But I tell you, you have to follow the evidence. And the evidence, I guarantee you now, based on this two-hour where you can go back and review the evidence for yourself, substantiates that was not a helicopter. That was made up. What we had out in Shanksville, for example, where Flight 93 was supposed to have crashed, the two reporters on the scene said the eerie aspect of the crash site was there was no sign that any plane had crashed there. And that's absolutely correct. I have, in various of my presentation, compared real crash sites with what you have at Shanksville, and there's no comparison. I discussed this with uh, a, a, a Colonel uh, George Nelson, who was a U.S. Air Force crash investigator, and asked what he thought happened, and he said he thought someone took a bulldozer out there, filled it with trash, and blew it up. Similarly, at the Pentagon, if a Boeing, these were both supposed to be Boeing 757s. Now, the Boeing 757 weighs over 100 tons. It has a 125-foot wingspan, and it has a tail that stands 44 feet above the ground. So the question became, why wasn't there any debris in Shanksville? And the claim was that this was an area where mining had been done and the earth was soft. And according to one version of the plane, it disappeared down an abandoned mine shaft. So I said, well, you know, what happens when we have miners trapped in mine shafts? We know what to do. We break out the 
heavy equipment and the bright lights and dig 24-7 in the hope that by some miracle someone survived. Well, we didn't even do that to recover the, what, 54 or whatever victims in the aircraft, which is absurd if it had been real. At the Pentagon, similarly, uh, the crash site is on the ground floor. It's about 10 feet high and 16 or 17 feet wide. You have a chain link fence. You have a couple of automobiles, big spools of cable, unbroken windows. You do not have a massive pile of aluminum debris from a 100-ton airliner. You don't have body seats, luggage. You don't have wings. You don't have tail. Not even the engines, which are virtually indestructible, were recovered from the crash site. I mean, it's ridiculous. And we're getting a variation on that theme here with the Kobe crash site. Uh, and it, it, why Kobe would do it is beyond me. It's beyond me. There is a report. We've had one report. I can't vouch for the authenticity, but we had one report of someone spotting Kobe in Ohio wearing dreadlocks. Wow. And when, then when somebody gave him a close look, he gave him the finger and turned Ooh. away and exited the area. My goodness, Mike, get in there. I got nothing, man. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. But truth is stranger than fiction. I'm telling you, it's actually unbelievable. I got nothing, man. I, I, Michael, I, don't, I don't even like basketball. That was very clever of you to, to pick up on that. I just put that up, I think, on my Twitter at, at Jim Fetzer. I think you can find that account about the crash site with Danny and Scott Bennett and me. Yes, and where can people find that, by the way, if they want uh, to research this further? At Jim Fetzer. That's how you find it. At Jim Fetzer is my Twitter handle. Ah, okay. I thought you were going to list the other website. The Is it 153? Well, that's where my – you can also find it there. Ah, okay. You can find it there because all my raw deals – I mean, this was actually a, a shell game. This was Scott's show. He has a show called Shell Games that's on Before Mind on Studio B. And so he's from uh, uh, 3 to 5 Central Time on Studio B. I'm from 5 to 7 Central Time on Studio A. Or he's on 4 to 6 Eastern Time, and I'm on 6 to 8 Eastern Time. He's Studio B. I'm Studio A. You can listen to the shows on freedomslips.com. But they're all archived. My, my shows, almost all of them are archived at 153news.net, where Gus Chambers, Gus Chambers is the name of the guy who archives them. And then I, I intermittently put up on my Twitter something extraordinary, like this woman calling me out of the blue and giving me a one-hour report about the plan to have Wolfgang involuntarily committed to a mental institution. I put that uh, that uh, interview up. He looked rough, by the way, Jim. In, in the photograph that I saw, he looked real bad. Yeah, that's because he rousted him in the middle of the night. Man. They handcuffed him firmly behind his back, and they walked him through a cow pasture for like a mile to get to the police car, so he'd look terrible when they did the mugshot. Right, right. It was politically contrived, Michael. It's disgusting what's gone on here. The law has been weaponized to beat up those of us who are trying to figure out what really happened so the American people won't be played for their money. That's what James Tracy was doing and why it was so insulting that that uh, Lenny Posner was able to get him taken out of office. He was trying to ensure that the American people weren't being played uh, by a fraud, technically known as theft by deception, because you had millions of Americans giving this money in the false belief that these parents had actually lost children at Sandy Hook, which is simply not the case. I mean, it's stunning. 
My goodness. And where and what what days are you on, by the way? Just to clarify for well, the new people out there. I'm on Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Okay, perfect. Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. But the shows, and I'm recording them all now because Gus Chambers finds it much easier to put up an MP4 than an MP3, which is why I'm right now actually making an MP4 of our interview, Michael. Fantastic. Because then he can put right up. Otherwise, he's got to take an MP3, add an image, and then re-record. You know, and the guy is being good enough. He's being gracious enough to put up my shows. I don't want to make it all the more work for him. He's doing a great job. And then, of course, I have my blog at jamesfetzer.org, where you'll find, for example, these latest exposés about Burisma being a money laundering operation. And it appears all the money, all the foreign aid the U.S. has been giving to Ukraine has been laundered and kicked back to some 40 prominent political figures around the country, 10 of whom are prominent Democratic politicians. My God. That's that bad, Michael. I know Mike this is... Why, this is why they're getting rid of, want to get rid of Trump. He actually wants to investigate. He really does want to drain the swamp. And I, I think he may very well be successful. He is so pissed off by all this nonsense. You saw I gave the boot to Vindeman and his brother and Bondolin. Uh, and, you know, he'd already removed the woman. And, you know, this is such a total sham. I don't blame him at all. He's pissed. And I think it's all the more reason he may very well actually drain the swamp, pull the plug, let it go. By the way, Jim, before the show began, I was talking to Mike and he was telling me that he was thinking about voting for Andrew Yang. I like Andrew Yang. I wouldn't hold that against anyone who voted for Andrew Yang. I, I wouldn't even hold it against anyone who voted for Tom Steyer. That was I'm telling a, you, they're both pretty impressive in their own way. That was a now, joke, the by the way, Jim. I haven't got a chance of winning, but I don't, I don't uh, discount the value of voting for a candidate in whom you sincerely believe. Look, I'm telling you right now, I'm so bent out of shape by Trump committing these acts against Iran if Bernie gets a nomination, if he were to run with Tulsi Gabbard, I'd find that very tempting. The only problem being they both have the wrong approach toward the Second Amendment. And they have to come around on the Second Amendment. For that, the Second Amendment for me is a bottom line issue, because if we can't defend ourselves, they're, they're going to... Uh, Dave Hodges observed that during the 20th century, there were 19 demo sides which were massacres of whole societies, every one of which was preceded by gun confiscation. We can't let the U.S. become number 20. Uh, it, it basically yeah. it comes down to this. The One of the reasons we have the Second Amendment, well, not, not one of the reasons, but one of the good reasons for having the Second Amendment is that it has protected us from ever being invaded and always will. No country, no enemy will invade this country knowing that there is a good point, myself included, there's a good portion of, of, of citizens who own firearms who would go down fighting in the event this Mike, country was ever inv invaded. Mike, you're 100% correct. I know I am. Emperor Hirohito wanted to invade the United States, but his highest ranking military advisors warned against it. They said there'd be a sniper behind That's it. That's right. Of grass. I'm, I'm quite aware of that, Jim. Having 100 million armed Americans, what could be a greater source of national security? And these idiots, these Democrats want to take away our guns? I mean, they're complete, utter morons. I got to tell you, this is just a disgrace. It's our greatest source of national security. And we have 100 million plus armed Americans, and they would forfeit that. Hey, look, just, you know, just you a know what? 
you know, there's there's a lot of situations that that uh, end up having uh, that end up making gun owners look bad when we have you know shooters at like uh, in Las Vegas or wherever. Um, you know, and that that does it's sad. It's sad when things like that happen, and I I I can sympathize for those who may have victims who were killed by guns. I get it. But, but that doesn't mean, you know, you should condemn the whole situation. Cause like I just said, there are resp- responsible people out there who own guns. I myself included, I love guns, sure. although I would never, I don't go hunting. I just like target shooting and yeah. to protect myself. And, and, and ever since I moved out to Pennsylvania, I have my carry license, uh, carry permit rather. And I, I, I've never felt more safe in all my yeah. life. I have a, I have a concealed carry permit myself. Now, listen, my crowds on demand, an outfit in LA was recruiting crisis actors for Las Vegas 15 days in advance. They use a pre-recorded soundtrack of a machine gun firing and with some, uh, Three shot bursts uh, that they played over the PA system. It was okay. Subtle. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Hold on a second. I got to interrupt you. Now you're telling me that the Las Vegas sh- shooting was fake too? For a certain. Amazing. No kidding. I'm telling you how they did it. Go ahead. So they had a pre-recorded soundtrack. They had they had the audience seated with about 500 crisis actors, and they had a pre-recorded soundtrack of actual machine gun firing. Then they had a supplemental visual special effect in the fourth floor, right in the center of the hotel. They had a flashing light synchronized that seemed to be the source of the sound of the machine gun that was being played over the PA system. Then they had higher up three light burrs. And yet the sheriff insists he's never seen any evidence of shots being any fired from anywhere but the 32nd floor of the wing. Well, that's absurd. We have all this video. I I have it in. I have one called How to Spot a False Flag, where I go through uh, a dozen or 15 of these different events and explain how we know they're phony. But the fact of the matter is I had a, a Facebook friend who immediately reached out to the three closest medical facilities to the uh to the auditorium, the outdoor auditorium where the concert was held, and asked if they'd had any gunshot admittees. All three of them said no, and the third conveniently added, I I think you're calling about that drill they had there, but no one was shot. You need to check with the local police. She even gave the phone number, and I called to verify myself since I knew I'd be talking about it. I got the same answer, except the third had been so helpful, had been told to shut up. (laughs) said no comment. Just had no comment. She'd been reprimanded. Might have lost her job. The FBI was cleaning the laptops and the cell phones that had photographs. They were very much involved in this. We had uh, professional medical experts writing to Paul Craig Roberts about how the the alleged patients were faking it. Uh, Two of them, one was a medical expert, another was a trauma surgeon, and they were all right. Mona Alexis Presley even tracked down the crime map which is the report of all the incidents in the one square mile surrounding the auditorium area for 8 p.m. the night of the event to 8 p.m. the following day. And there are about 20, I mean, I've gone through it many times. There are about 20 incidents reported, but they're all pedestrian, disturbing the peace, assault and battery, stolen property recovery. She also tracked down the parties who were the alleged decedents. USA Today, you know, would print all these photographs. And, and alleged biosketches and found to the extent to which they weren't merely photographic variations on one another. They were based on persons who died in different states or on different dates or from different causes of death. 
uh, let's see, Intellihub thought they'd found a mini massacre within the massacre because there were 17 ambulances pulled up in front of Hooters, Las Vegas. But they also had footage from inside, and you saw all these board crisis actors, each with their own sheet, waiting to be taken out on a stretcher as another of the dead from the Las Vegas shooting. It's all complete nonsense. Scott noticed immediately the photograph of Stephen Paddock in the room that there were a handful of shell casings, and some of the shell casings were for blanks, and others were for CO2 cartridges. I mean, I'm telling you, the whole thing was complete sham, very shoddy. Scott and I did interviews with Kerry Cassidy for Project Camelot about it. I've got a book about it uh, that should be out within the next couple months uh, where this lawsuit business had, had me tied up and we were unable to finish a couple project that we'd hoped to have out long before now. But I believe I, you could just go online and look for my interviews uh, about uh, Las Vegas uh, with, with some with and some without uh, Scott Bennett, but for sure, look for uh, how to spot a false flag. I did the original version, and then I did an expanded version in four parts with Catherine Horton, Dr. Catherine Horton, who's a particle physicist from Oxford, who has been doing massive research on targeted individuals and filed lawsuits in the British courts. And she's discovering that British courts are just as corrupt as the U.S. courts. And she's been run around in circles, even though she has met all the legal requirements for her case to be submitted. The courts are refusing to accept it, just as I met all the requirements for my case to be a summary judgment rendered in my favor. And yet the judgment was made in favor of the plaintiff. The four part with Catherine Horton is marvelous because I have additional. Maybe that's the one where I include Las Vegas. And you can find it at both uh, 153news.net, but also I think at BitChute, but it's also on her website, Stop007. If you just do a search for how to spot a false flag, Jim Fetzer and Catherine Horton, you'll find the one that would be the best to watch. Believe me, you're not going to be able to watch that and be played again. You're going to know how to spot them. Gotcha. Oh, yes. I mean, it's unbelievable, Mike, that all this fakery is going on. Barack Obama. We have to thank for that. Scott Bennett told me when he was doing PSYOPs for the Army that they were very concerned that they not violate the Smith Act of 1948 that precluded the use of the same techniques of disinformation and propaganda within the United States that were being used abroad. But Barack Obama nullified the Smith Mutt Act by the Smith Mutt Modernization Act of 2012 just in time to bring a Sandy Hook. And these other events, I mean, we've just had open the floodgate to all these phony actions that have been made legal by Barack Obama, a guy you despise, and it turns out for a very good reason. Yep. Don't have to tell me that twice. <laughs> no, but there's another on your list. <laughs> oh, hey, Michael, are you there? I'm here. Got a question for you. How much time do we have? We have about 20 minutes or less. 20 minutes. Jim, I got a question for you. Sure. Can you explain to our audience what your your lawsuit is about? Is Can you talk about that? Well, it's very peculiar. I have been enjoined from talking about the claim I made about the death certificate, and they're even threatening to throw me into jail. They're claiming it would be a continuation of the defamation. Let's put it this way. Uh, the central issue here was the authenticity of the death certificate for this Noah Posner. And I was sued for claiming it was not authentic, and the judges ruled that it was authentic. 
And even though I had two document experts on my side who not only confirmed my opinion, but stated that three other death certificates that had emerged during the course of the trial also were not authentic. Nevertheless, the judge ruled in favor of the plaintiff, and they're trying to nail me. So I'm in this very awkward situation of being compromised, in which I can and cannot say about it. There's a massive evidence online, however, I would recommend highly, for example. Number one, the video for background, you know, Sandy Hook update, uh, Tracy loses, Wolfgang wins, the deep state strikes back, just so you can see the evidence for yourself, which of course includes the FBI consolidated crime report for 2012, which shows that the intersection for murders and non-negligent homicides uh, and Newtown, of which Sandy Hook is a subdivision, zero, the number zero. So even the FBI is reporting there were no murders in Sandy Hook in Newtown, including Sandy Hook in 2012. And by the way, Jim, we are joined by another soul right now. A caller, go ahead. Good evening, Michael. How are you? I'm good, man. I can't complain. How are you, man? I'm doing great. It's been uh, it's it's a good evening to to listen to uh, the Fets. How are you, uh, Mr. Fets? Yes, good to hear your voice. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. But my best friend in college called me that. I'm having a real tough time hearing him on his side, so I'll just give the question out. I with Jim going over maybe the QAnon conspiracy slash phenomena. Do you think that'd be okay? It's all right with me. It's all right with me. Jim, you could hear him okay now. Yeah, I can hear him fine. I could before. Yeah. We're good. Would you like me to ask the question again? Yeah, go ahead. Ask the question one more time. I've been a skeptic, but I'm open-minded. You know, I mean, Louise, I do this show every, I do two news shows every week, actually three if you count my own show, because usually on Wednesday I give a recap of all the events of the of the week. But I do two shows on Mondays. One is called The Goldfish Report with Louisa. It usually runs about an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, we did it. Uh, she's not available this coming Monday. So we did it early today. We, it, we ran two hours. But she's a, she has been very enthusiastic about Q. I, I'm, I'm not quite so certain. I like what Q says. There have been various theories about who Q could be. Uh, some have suggested it could be Steve Pachenik, whom I happen to think is a super good guy. And I tend to believe things that Steve Bochenik says. I believe he's well-founded. He knows a lot what's going on. I think there, you know, there, been, there was so many efforts to destroy Trump. There have been as many as a dozen attempts to assassinate him. It's a damn good thing he's got great security or he wouldn't be with us today. Let me just say I'm open-minded about Q. And Q, of course, has been for a long time talking about a long list of indictees and grand juries and all that. Let's see if it happens. I'll just tell you now. If Trump is reelected, and I don't see how it's possible for him not to be reelected unless Google does this massive manipulation of the vote about which something must be done in advance, he's going to clean house, I believe. I mean, that's my expectation. And obviously, I can't know it for a certainty, but I strongly believe that if there's going to be a fulfillment of all of that draining of the swamp, it will happen and it will be thorough and far reaching. Did you that's hear that, by the way? Yeah, it came through loud and clear. Nice. Okay, I'm glad we got the phone working, and Jim can hear you, and you can hear Jim. Go yeah. ahead if you have one more question. Yeah, Jim. And by the way, this is Frank, and we've uh, we've spoken on uh, email quite often um, 
regarding uh, the unblockable or uncensorable uh, technology that I use for my IP. And yeah, that's I've great. been. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think you. I'm technically very un unsophisticated. It's odd because I've published all these books about the theoretical foundation of computer science and artificial intelligence, and these are areas of my expertise. But hands-on yeah. technology is a whole other matter for me. And you know, if I may, I, if, I, if I, may I find interject. it challenging to upgrade my operating system. Sure. Well, if I may interject, and I just want to let you know that yeah. you did put me in touch with Jack. And that was uh, very nice of you. Good, but good. What, I what I want to get to is I'll tell you a quick story. Look, I've taken my IP to people that are quote unquote experts. Like I'll give you an example of a very famous um, well-to-do, uh, yeah, good intention man, I suppose, who, who apparently had a background in IT technology. Uh, this information that I gave him drove him nuts. And uh, even he was hacked and he is a bit of a hack. So <laughs> I, I tend to think that he, he probably blew it for um, the sake of his own I don't know, ego. But prior to him, I was working with RDS about this. And so I would just ask that you probably get you and Jack, and Jack together with RDS to discuss the things that we've already emailed. And with that, I'll let you let you gentlemen go because it's it's much easier for me to listen. So thanks, right, guys. I, I, thanks for calling in. I, I, I already have them in contact. I mean, that's already that's already the case. I don't know about talking about anything else, but uh I, I mean, I've, I've already done that. So, I mean, that's good. That's good. That's all good. You're on top of it. Very nice. And Mike, go ahead. I'm sorry. I cut you off there. Who, me? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No, I was just listening. I, I think I, you might have heard me laughing. That's all. Oh, I thought you were going to jump in there. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep a sense of humor about these things. I mean, it's so appalling. What's going on? It's so disgraceful. It really is disgraceful. Oh, I'm glad Frank uh, called in. That was good. Yeah, it was nice to hear him. And Jim, I got to ask you this. Do you personally believe that there will be some sort of civil war here in the United States? It seems like that's getting pumped out even in 2020. Hair trigger. It's so goddamn close I can feel it. You think so? In Virginia. These Democrats are idiots. Either they're idiots, complete idiots, or they're deliberately trying to provoke a civil war because I frankly believe they're, the, the odds are they're going to do it. What they're doing is so profoundly stupid. It's so threatening to the rural counties. You know, you got uh, 80 or 90 counties and cities in Virginia that have declared themselves to be Second Amendment sanctuary counties and cities, taking a page from the liberal playbook where they have declared, you know, San Francisco and Los Angeles, Seattle to be immigration sanctuary cities. So they won't enforce the immigration laws of the country. The difference being, the Democrats are out to violate the laws in the Constitution, whereas the Virginians are out to support it. That's an enormous difference. And this was a legislature that was bought up by Michael Bloomberg, who wants to make gun control the centerpiece of his campaign for president, because, uh, you know, Trump has already skewered him in such a way he can never recover. He can never recover from that single tweet. This is uh, the genius of Donald Trump. He is so good at PR and media manipulation by that single tweet of talking about uh, Mini Mike wanting to negotiate with the DNC for a platform <laughs> Mini to Mike. stand on in a debate. I mean, I'm telling you, it's all over. It's all over. He, he out of Iowa, Michael, he got 20 votes. He spent $200 million. He got 20 votes in Iowa. Now, admittedly, he wasn't campaigning in Iowa, but if you take that as symptomatic of the enthusiasm, he's paying. $10, $10 million a vote, 20 votes. 
He spent $200 million and he got 20 votes. Now, he's campaigned for Super Tuesday, but look, Bernie's already way out ahead in California. And I think this effort to use Buttigieg as a battering ram is ultimately not going to succeed. They've had to be very explicit in attacking Buttigieg. Biden was taking down Buttigieg for the absurdity of him pretending to be a competitor to Biden by comparing their experience and background where Buttigieg has basically nothing to show for it, and, and Biden has a vast, you know, resume. Now, I don't think Biden's a viable candidate at all because of his corrupt acts and for other reasons. I mean, I was reminding my wife, there was Senator Chris Coons was being interviewed after the uh, Democrat debate on MSNBC, and he was speaking favorably about Biden, and I was reminding Jan, my wife, when yeah. Biden was inaugurated, you know, sworn in as a senator, Biden was... When, when Coons was sworn in, Biden was there and he leaned over to Coons' daughter and said, do you have, it was picked up by the mics. It became a big story for a short period of time. Do you have uh, any idea how horny it makes me to be standing next to a 13-year-old girl? Good Lord. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it was just awful. It was just awful. My God. <laughs> You take seriously a creep like this, a creep like this. <laughs> yeah, Joe Biden. But much more seriously, Bernie was pointing out that Buttigieg is being promoted by 40 billionaires, and Bernie's put out a list of the 40 billionaires. By the way, Jim, so, you... Buttigieg can't make it. The Democrats can't support a candidate who's supported by 40 billionaires. Right. Jim, you also said Buttigieg and the word ramming, and I thought Buttigieg, Buttigieg or... Um... Buttigieg or Buttigieg, whatever Buttigieg you want. Buttigieg is a battering ram. Yeah, they're yes. using those Buttigieg two... to batter Bernie. <laughs> By the way, those two words should never be used in the same sentence. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you, he's a battering ram. This is the, using him to beat up on Bernie Sanders and they with the app. Look, they had Buttigieg supporters who were using coin flips to decide delegates and they were cheating with the coin flip. So they'd flip it and look at it, and then he'd turn it over so it would come out in favor of Buttigieg, and they got that on video. No surprise there. None. So, so, so when it turned out that the app, that he was tied into the app, that the Buttigieg had given $10,000 or more to the company that made the app, he, he was immediately hashtag Mayor Cheat, not Mayor Pete, Mayor Cheat. And he's not going to be able to get away from that. He, he's Mayor Cheat. He's going to go down in history as Mayor Cheat. In the chat room, Brooke, Brooke says, Booty Judge is how you say it. Yeah, that's what I said before. Booty Judge. Right. Booty and Booty, Judge. Booty Judge. Booty Judge. <laughs> that's a very, okay. that's okay. a very unusual name, I just got to say. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I mean, my wife thinks he's super, but, you know, he, 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 I the don't wife? think we can take him seriously. He, oh, no, the guy, wife is supporting him. He does not have the gravitas to come across as a serious candidate for president. They're just using him as an ad hoc instrument. They're, they're, they're going to use him and throw him away. He's just a temporary battering ram to beat up on Bernie. That's, a, that's going to be his political history. So, so, Jim, the wife is a Pete, uh, Mark. Per se, and does she not like Tulsi Gabbard at all? And and it's not quite surprising. No, she can't stand Tulsi. It's not, that's not surprising. Right? That's not surprising and that a woman Tulsi's would not like her. Thing, Tulsi's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I love <laughs> I love Tulsi. I mean, here's a great looking woman who's a a veteran who's serious, intelligent, understands the issues. She even had 
she had more balls than any male politician to visit Bashir al-Assad in Syria. And I really am a huge fan. Now, she's weak on the Second Amendment, so she'd have to come around. Bernie's weak on the Second Amendment. For me, that'll be a bottom-line issue. If there are two candidates, even though I'm not happy with either, if one is supports the Second and the other doesn't, I'm going to support the Second Amendment. That's absolutely bottom-line. Uh, Iran, for me, is a bottom-line uh, uh, Trump has already crossed that by these blunders. If he were to attack Iran, it would be catastrophic. Let me say, by the way, something most of the world does not know. You remember that response that Iran made to the Soleimani by sending a lot of missiles into an American base in Iraq? Right. And Trump said they didn't hit anything? Mm -hmm. Well, under Freedom of Information Act, we have a report out of the Pentagon that that was a, a cover story. And in fact, there were 285 casualties, 135 dead, that it destroyed all kinds of planes, helicopters, hangars, command and control. What, what it illustrated is that the Iranians have missiles that are not nuclear-tipped, but they're very precise. And it's unnerved the Israelis because they have the same anti-missile defense system the Americans had at that base, and it did not work. So that the head of the Israeli Defense Force is given the somber report to the residents of Israel that if there's the next war, there's going to be damage at the home front. The Iranians have maybe 10,000 of these precise missiles aimed at Israel. Now, I like Tulsi Gabbard, but as soon as I found out about her and read more into her and looked more at her and observed her on TV, I realized, I realized right there and then, Jim, no other woman is going to vote for her because of the pure jealousy that they see on their television screens. <laughs> I know. Most women she's hate she's other she's women. That, that's the I, way it goes. I mean, I mean, how many presidential candidates are there that you'd like to get to know up close and personal? Right, exactly. And that's the thing. Most women hate other women. And I know that's kind of like <laughs> most people would say that's like a sexist thing to say, but that's the truth. She has said, to me, she's just sensational. But, I think you know, so, too. There it is. Yeah. In fact, I, I would like to see uh, Pence go and Tulsi step in. I'd love to see Trump run with Tulsi. That would be just unbelievably sensational. No, I agree. That'd be fine. That'd be fantastic with me. Uh -huh. You get no argument from me there. God. Right. My God. Trump can't be beat except by cheating using Google. I guarantee it. So if, if any candidate, see what they're trying to do is to create the false impression that there's some candidate new fresh face that everyone's wild about. So when we get this incredible surge of votes that are all Google manipulated, it seems to be not obviously wrong when it is actually obviously wrong. I mean, you know, like Trump getting the highest approval rating of his career and the, as he's being impeached. Give me a break. <laughs> very true. Very that same. He, he is a genius at public relations and media manipulation. Now he's been too much a stooge of Israel. He's been under the gun of Bibi Netanyahu. I think Bibi told him that just as Barack Obama, and you can add this to your list too, Mike, just as Barack Obama positioned himself for a triumphal re-election by taking out Osama bin Laden, that Donald Trump could position himself for a triumphal re-election by taking out Qasim Soleimani, except that Osama bin Laden was our main man in Afghanistan. He was instrumental in getting the Stinger missiles into the hands of the Mujahideen. They used to shoot down Soviet helicopters and planes and drive them out of the nation. He was an officer in the CIA, Colonel Tim Osman, an official from the agency, visited him in a hospital in Dubai shortly before his death of his medical maladies. 
it's tough to get dialysis machines in and out of those caves in Afghanistan. He died on 15 December, local obituaries buried in an unmarked grave in accordance with Muslim tradition, even both Fox News and CNN reported his death on the 26th of December 2001. So he'd already been dead for a decade when Osama found it convenient to resurrect him and have him die a second time. My God. Now, Jim, I do hate to <laughs> say this right now, but we are running out of time and time has just flown by yet again. Yeah, well, I love it, Michael. I so enjoy it. I mean, it's a delight to have Mike here and I'm glad that Frank called in. It's all to the good and you seem to have a a smart, uh, you know, group here who are following the show. For and sure. I'm always welcome to have questions and comments from them as well. So. No doubt. So, Jim, so it's all good. Jim, I want to leave you with the final word. Anything you'd like to say and plug, please feel free to do so now. The stage is yours. Go ahead. When they come for our guns, the time has come to use them. Ooh. <laughs> My God. Someone got up and to me and said, when they come for our guns, it's too late. So, um, <laughs> We, we, we gotta be on our guard because there's lunacy. The Democrats have turned into a group of loons. I, I didn't used to think that, but I, today I'm utterly convinced they are suffering from some kind of mass illusions. Actually, Louisa, who has a background in psychology, pulled out the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychological Association and was reading about forms of delusion that are really a variation of Trump derangement syndrome, that they're so convinced that Trump is wrong that they're incapable of, of even processing any evidence that shows that's mistaken. They, they can't do it. It's very much like the belief that, you see, this Sandy Hook thing was executed with so much consideration for social psychology to have maximal emotional impact. Most Americans can't even bring themselves to consider the possibility. In fact, I, I just got in contact with a Newtown mother who actually had two kids in the second grade in a different school. She's third generation Newtown when Sandy Hook took place. She told me how years ago she downloaded her book and secretly took a, started to take a look at it, but she felt so guilty she couldn't do it. But then she started to realize that there might be more going on. She actually read the book, and when I interviewed her, she was saying how well-organized, well-written, systematic, and, and conclusive it was about the evidence, which I greatly appreciated. So she's like a convert, which they threaten greatly. She's actually published a couple of blogs. Her name is Rebecca Carnes. And if you go to my Twitter, you can find an interview I did with Rebecca Carnes right there on Twitter, at Jim Fetzer. And if you go to my blog, jamesfetzer.org, you can do a search on Rebecca Carnes, and you can find the two blogs, one of which was on Adam Lanza. Being right there in Newtown, you see, she could go to the high school yearbooks, and she did a masterful job. It turns out she has a background in journalism. She actually was running a blog about Newtown, and now she's applying her background to doing research on Sandy Hook. I'm very impressed with Rebecca. Nice. Well, Jim, once again, it's been an honor and a privilege to speak to you here, as you and Mike have always been my favorite guests. Well, that's great. It's great, great fun being on with you, Michael. I always enjoy it. Fantastic, my friend. I'll talk to you on the other side. You nice got... meeting you. Nice meeting you, Jim. Yeah, my pleasure, Mike. I'm glad you were here. Good luck with everything. Thanks so much. You too. Bye now. Take care, Jim. Thank you so much, Michael. Bye-bye. I think I might have uh, hung up on Mike there. That's not good. Yeah, I did hang up on him. Let me bring him back on really quickly here. My God. Yes. When I um hit that button there, I, accident I accidentally uh, hung up on you there, Mike. I'm here, buddy. Don't worry. 
Fantastic, Mike. Well, it is that time to go on a break. And uh, for the listeners, too, it's it's a good time to go to the bathroom, go to your <laughs> fridge, go do whatever you have to do. Take some uh, gimmicks if you have to, drink, smoke, whatever. Uh, we'll be mm-hmm. right back after this. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the program, boys and girls. And yes, I'm not alone. Let's bring in Mr. Mike Hideous. Now you are queued up, Mike. What's going on? I'm here, buddy. I'm glad you're here. And uh, Mike, we will be joined by a very, very special guest right now. Right. Let's bring him in. Paul, are you out there? Yes, I am. My goodness. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the program. I'm so glad you're here, by the way. it's uh, I'm almost becoming a mark for you, I have to say. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, Paul. Thank you so much, man. There's so much to talk to you about. And of course, before we jump into things, I have to ask you about your background here. And I heard your story and I know about your family. And I thought, wow, this guy's really doing a pretty a good thing. And I, I want you to tell the listeners about that. Okay. Well, my I was um, I was born and raised in Michigan. Um, and, um, my educational background is in management engineering undergrad and, um, masters and MBA in finance. Then shortly after I, and during, during that period of time, I was an automotive engineer. It's, you know, what I did mostly for quite a few years and then, um, moved to New York to trade, you know, apply that MBA to, you know, do financial trading and, and corporate finance and, that was during the, the actual Lehman crash. So I kind of learned, learned, you know, baptism by fire, I guess. But um, then, uh, you know, learned quite a bit on the trading floor and then went to earn a Ph.D. in finance, uh, dealing with chaos theory and algorithmic trading, uh, oil markets and the currency markets. And during that period of time, when I was uh, writing my dissertation, uh, my brother passed away from heart disease, which is something that's very co- common in my in my family. So, um, you know, I decided to, uh, pursue medicine, you know, so I had to go through the pre-med program at, at Fordham university in, in, in New York. And, um, I also enrolled into a master's program in biology at Harvard, where this is where I got all my uh, bioinformatic, cellular biology, um, molecular biology, uh, cancer, cancer biology, uh, knowledge, genomic, Challenge. And, um, you know, when this event took place, I, I was I went to the database that they posted the uh, genome for this Wuhan strand that yeah. that's infecting everybody and, uh, you know, found some really interesting 
things that just didn't look right, which led me down a whole path of, of, of trying to investigate what, you know, what really happened, you know, was it bioengineered? Why the, you know, the virulence of the, of the virus? What are some of the socio, socio, uh, economic conditions that this will, will cause? Um, you know, what sort of legality, new legislations that might arise? Um, the geopolitical aspects to this, the financial aspects to this. So I'm looking at this at, at all these different pillars, what I call the different pillars of the of the crisis. So um, you know, that's that's the path so far. Yes, it's been a it's been a journey. <laughs> it really has. So like, yeah, and I'm, I'm posting mm-hmm. feverishly on, on on my YouTube site. Yeah, you've been going pretty hard there on YouTube, back to back videos yeah. nonstop, my friend. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to inform people. This is my point is that we need to be educated about what is going on. I don't feel as though um, the governments and the international agencies are as transparent as they can be. They are somewhat transparent, but you know, some, you know, people, people are scared all over the world. Sure. And sometimes information will help reduce that fear, but uh, accurate information and timely information also allows people to prepare and understand what is at stake. And that is what I'm trying to do is to the best of my ability. And I have a lot of people helping me, a lot of people volunteering and like, you know, looking at data and looking at different, you know, research, um, studies, PDFs and, and, and looking at what the government's doing, you know, in, in terms of their coordination of, of the outbreaks and the, you know, around the world. I've been talking to researchers in, in Europe about, you know, potential um, homeopathic remedies and, and stuff. But, um, you know, we're in a crisis around the world and in the United States. And um, I'm just trying to help. Yeah, that's, you're you trying know, to. My yeah, little for piece, sure. you know, I'm trying to help. You're trying to help, no doubt. And that's admirable of you. And I got to ask you, the American media, in your opinion, are they downplaying the severity of the coronavirus? I believe they are. And I think that the reason why is I get people calling into my channel. Right. And, you know, some of them I record, some of them I don't. Some of them just want to be off, you know, off air. Yes. But they're in, and you can hear in their voices, the ones that I have published, you can hear that there seems to be um, uh, the, the healthcare, the, the, the healthcare system right now doesn't seem to be viewing this as an, as an outbreak. And they're, they're not taking it as seriously as it, as it should because of the latency, the dormancy of the, of the virus. I mean, it can be all the way up to 14 days without having any symptoms. And there, there is some data out there that shows that you can pass the virus without having symptoms. You can see that. Oh my. That's you know, easy way to, you know, when you have like a, the, the measure of contagion is uh, based on an R0 value. And with the current data that we have, we're looking at an R0 value in, you know, like 3.3 or 3.6. And that changes over time because of just the numbers coming in. But uh, that basically means that for every one person that has the virus, they can pass it on to 3.6 individuals on average. So you can see the virulence of this and the, the, the contagion of it. So, uh, I, no, I don't think that they're taking it uh, as seriously as they should. And I think it's uh, due to... Uh, um, um, one major factor, and I think it's the the economic factor. They don't want to scare people to the point where the, the, it, it affects the economy. And just recently, another flight was carrying more Americans fleeing from the coronavirus, the outbreak out in Wuhan, China. They arrived apparently 
out here where I'm at in Southern California at a military base. Yeah. And that to me yeah, is right. troubling as it in its own right, right there. Uh, Mike, are you um, up to date with what's going on th- with this current outbreak? Lots of people downplaying it. Lots of people in China losing their minds. They're being locked down. People are scared shitless. Um, Mike, your opinion. Well, um, in my personal opinion, I, I mean, I'm not as educated as the doctor here, but I have, yes, I have been worried about it. Um, I, I, I was under the impression that our, uh, government was taking the proper methods to keep, uh, as, as well as the rest of the world. I was under the impression that everybody is doing their best to keep this localized in China where it started. And then I do find out that, that, that there's been, um, uh, reported, uh, diagnoses in, I think, what was it, Jersey and California? Right. There, there might have, there might have been other ones too. I don't know, but it's, it's frightening. And, and you know, um, every year I get a flu shot and this is the one year I didn't get a flu shot and I ended up getting the flu. Fortunately, knock on wood, nice. I wasn't, um, obviously infected with the coronavirus. So I am concerned. I am concerned. That's why I'm very interested in what the doc has to say. Definitely. Yeah, this is a very, um, this is a, a growing concern. And there's even someone in the chat room right now saying that the coronavirus is a false flag. Um, doc, what do you got to say about those individuals out there who are saying the coronavirus is a mere false flag? Well, I mean, I, I, there's always conspiracy theorists out there, right? You know, and there is different, there is no such thing as an absolute false flag. It could be a pseudo false flag. Let me explain. Anyone that's watching my channel, they can see that I'm trying to use the scientific method. And I, you know, I set up a hypothesis and, you know, I look at the data and then I change it. And then eventually, once I have enough data points that kind, that kind of confirms or denies the hypothesis, then I will move on, right, to, to a theory and then and move and look at all these different pillars not just the scientific pillar. But I do believe this, and I can prove, I can prove for sure that this was a, was a bioengineered virus. But I don't believe that it is a bioweapon. But you can bioengineer a virus and use it as a bioweapon. So the genesis of the virus was to study the, the, um, how the virus works in the, its natural host, which is the bat. So they made a supercharged virus so they can study it in the lab understand its mechanisms and then try to come up with a cure like a vaccine or you know different you know viral medications right so and because it's by it's, it's a bioengineered very virulent strain it had to be in a p4 facility or, or what we we would call level four facility so it's a very very um you know locked down kind of facility where you have to have all these you know special suits and, and air pressures you know negative air pressures and all this it leaked out. And now the question is, was it leaked out on purpose or was it leaked out uh, nefariously? Mm. Right? Or, I mean, or, you know, leaked out on purpose or if it was leaked out uh, on accident. Now, there is evidence because of some of the SARS viruses that came out of the P4 facility. That was also a leak. So maybe they just have really bad protocols, safety protocols. But but here's the thing is that when you start chasing the other this is the this is the special thing that's going on on my channel. We're looking at all these different pillars to triangulate what's really going on. If you just look at one pillar, you don't catch the the, the whole story. If you look at um, Miles Go, who happens to be a dissident for the CCP, 
that is kind of somewhat promoted on the, the uh, uh, Bannon show, uh, the War Room I see. Uh, pandemic show. Right. Mm-hmm. And he and, and Miles Go it, uh, made a, 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 had a tweet back on, and anyone could go on, on Twitter and see, see on Voice of Go, G U O. Okay. He made a, a, a tweet on June, uh, on uh, January 4th of this year. And it basically was cryptic. And, um, you know, it talked about 10 seconds and, and one minute. And I think, I personally think it's a factor of six or maybe a ratio, one to six. But I'm not sure exactly why it was cryptic like that. But he states that on June 4th, 2020, that China will live. So it makes it sound like there, that there, there was going to be an overthrow of the CCP. Now, we know that the first cases were on December first, possibly going all the way back to late October or November. So of, when he made that tweet, he knew there was an outbreak. I see. So it, so there, there is, and I believe that either because the, either a leak came out of the P4 facility on purpose or on accident, it really doesn't matter. I believe that covert operations from the U.S. government is trying to overthrow the CCP. And they're using um, Bannon's show as kind of a psyop to try to convince the American public that, you know, she is so bad, he can't control the can't control his country, you know, and there's this, this groundswell wow. to, you know, to, so that, that's what I think is happening. If I may ask, doctor, yeah. um, what you're saying is you're expecting an overthrow in the government of China. Is that what you're saying? Did I misunderstand you? I believe, well, I believe that the CIA or something like the CIA, some black operation that's happening, I don't know if we have a, a, a division outside of the CIA that no one knows about, but we typically call it the CIA, but it could be something else. It's right. something covert is happening to overthrow um, the CCP. And Go has been tweeting this, and it's being promoted on Bannon almost every day. So it's wow. not, you know, yeah. So, but they're using it as leverage. Now, I don't think that, it, I don't believe that the U.S. government created a virus and, you know, had it in the P4 facility and then leaked it out. And then, you know, you know, it was racial targeting. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe that they're using it as an opportunity to show that the um, the weakness of the Xi regime. Now, you got to remember, what is she doing? In 2008, there there was the the the, um, the thousand talent plan whereby they were trying to recruit thousand a, a thousand people. Uh, in all key technologies to be able to do technology transfer. And we just had that espionage case that took place from Harvard and another university in Boston where some graduate students were stealing uh, materials. So you had Professor uh, Lieber um, being charged for, for falsifying to the Defense Department on his dealings with China. And it so happened that he was, he, he was a professor of uh, chemistry and biology, right? And he focused on the nan- some nanotechnologies. Then you have the, the cases that were taking place in, in the mid, mid uh, of last year where you had researchers try- that they were stealing material out of Canada. And they're tied to the, the, Wu- the Wuhan lab. So, you know, wow. most likely there was something, something was going on, you know, the, the, through the, the thousand talent plan. Then you have, it's been published by the PLA, and the U.S. Navy has known about this forever, that on t- by 2025, they wanted to control the first, la- first island chains in the Pacific Ocean. 
And then by 20, I believe it was 2045, that they would uh, control all three island chains. So what they're trying to do is push the U.S. Navy out of the Pacific and reduce the hegemonic power of the United States. So if the, C- if the CIA sees an opportunity like this to weaken the CCP, don't you think they would take it to make sure that we maintain our hegemonic power? And I, I'm actually for it. You know, I'm not against that. But I, you know, but we as a people, we as a nation, need to try to reach out. And all, you know, all countries, you know, in, in the world need to reach out and try to help the people of China because they are they they are dying not in hundreds. They are dying in tens of thousands, if if not hundreds of thousands. Because what wow. we're doing is, is what's being published on the the. I know there's a lot to unpack, but but you know, what's being published on um you know the main main databases yeah the mainstream on the cases the cases and the deaths um right now there are about 31,000 cases oh my gosh worldwide yeah, that's a lot. In china and 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 you know we have i'm sorry it's 37 it's actually higher it's higher tonight so it's uh, almost 38,000 cases where you have over 800 deaths two of them are outside of china i believe those two deaths though are chinese nationals there's outbreaks that are starting in Japan, so we're just starting to see that. And um, you know, but the working model that we're using, based on the University of Hong Kong, is that the numbers that are being released from China um, probably are not true numbers for multiple, multiple, multiple reasons. You probably want to use a factor of ten. So our best guess is, is that there's 370,000 individuals that are infected worldwide. Most of them are in China. And there's, and our best guess is uh, 8,000 through the data that is being published and the modeling that's being done with the University of Hong Kong. Understood. And the doubling, the doubling of this is every week. I see. But the Mm -hmm. the other data point where I think even our best guess with the 10, the factor of 10 model is that we're starting to hear that there are 24 hour cremations that are going on in different re- different regions uh-huh. in the Wuhan um, uh, city or province. I see. So if they're doing 24-7 cremations, then, then it has to be more than, than 8,000. They normally do four uh-huh. hours, and it takes an hour and a half to two hours, depending on the size of the body, to actually cremate. And, and doc- if they're doing 24-7, that, yeah, that, and they're killing animals because they may be harboring the virus. That's true. Um, you're talking about uh, you're talking about a lot of carnage here, and that's why I'm saying the numbers are in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. I can think of death. I can and believe that it. That if that's the case, then that means it's millions in 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 China that are infected. Now, Go um, said on Spanish Channel that it's about 1.5 million infected and um, tens of thousands, millions, tens of thousands, like 30,000 or something like that, 40,000 deaths. But um, there's some satellite imagery or something someone sent me that uh, that kind of shows uh, sulfur dioxide over Wuhan much higher than normal. Uh, my fear is that is the signature of the cremation. I'm trying to get confirmation on that, so I don't want to say for sure. Yeah. But my gut feeling is that that's the signature. Understood, that's understood. The, you know, the chemical signature. So there's a lot going on. There's, a, there's the geopolitical problem, and then there's this, you know, you know huge biological issue that we have that people are going to get infected. Now, what does it mean for the United States? Well, it means that, well, we're going to probably have an outbreak. 
And I'm well, not that's so what sure I'm afraid of. The system is ready for, for, for an outbreak. Yeah, that's and what I'm afraid of, you Doc. Start, you start, yeah, you start thinking about, you know, some of the civil liberties and the forced vaccinations and, and forced lockdowns and, and all this stuff that there's a lot of power that can be given to the Department of Health and Human Services to control this. And, 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 and actually, um, and we kind of saw it with some of the people that had the Ebola virus when they came into the States, you know, but that was like small cases that were very easy to control. True. If you don't know if you have a flu or the Wuhan virus and you could get Corona, you know, the Corona virus is, is a common virus. You know, we all had it. Right. But there are strands of this that are very, very deadly like this one. So someone could be sick, get a really, really bad flu-like type symptom, get a negative on the test for influenza, get a positive test for, for corona, and, you know, not have Wuhan. Um, but I believe the test kits are starting to be distributed to, you know, local um, local facilities where these hospitals can test on site instead of just at the CDC. Um, I believe that, I think that just came out like yesterday or something. So, I, you know, probably take a few days before these, these hospitals can do on-site Wuhan testing. Understood, but understood. the testing isn't, you know, as good as, as we would like. So you can have some, you know, false, false negatives, you know, where you think you don't have it, but it, it, you really do. But, no. um, mm-hmm. but as time goes on, those test kits are probably going to get better and better and better. But, you know, we can only work with what we got. This is, we, we are actually in, we're, we have the fog of war and we're, in, we're right in the battle right now. You know, and things change. But um, I think there's a lot of people very concerned about, you know, forced vaccinations and lockdowns. And I've been trying to get the word out on my channel and the Oppenheimer Ranch channel and the Leak Project channel and and other, um, you know, uh, radio uh, networks and stuff. I've been trying to tell people you have to be prepared, but do not lock yourself down to the point where you're not helping your neighbor. Because there's an awful lot of people in their community that are elderly and they don't have the means to prep, to prep and, and get the provision. You know, they're on fixed income. They, they can't move around. You know, be generous and help them. Because the way we as a, as a country, the United States is a, is a wonderful country and in, it, it, has, it has great people in it. And, and the, the, the core, the core of the, the soul of the country is to help. And, and, and we're a pioneering country. We can solve problems if we work together. The problem is, is that we've been in, in a very divisive um, um, epoch for the last couple of years, three years or four years, maybe even more. But, but the epoch that, uh, you know, era that we've been in lately has been very divisive um, for multiple reasons. This is where we need to come together and forget about political affiliations or, you know, or any of that. And it's like we as a country, all country men and women need to stand tall and say, we can work together and make sure that this is not going to take us down. Because what I'm concerned about is that the powers that be have kind of like convinced us that we need to be in our little cubby holes and that if there's a problem, that it's a, a top-down answer. And the beauty of America is grassroots. We can solve this problem through community. And that will that will reduce the need of the of the um, you know Department of Health and Human Services, the CDC. Of course, they can help. But what I'm concerned about is, is that this is used as an opportunity to roll out what I call the, the Bio Patriot Act. Okay, and just like what happened to 9/11, you know, people were scared. 
you know, terrorists knocked down the buildings. There's some theories that, you know, why it happened and all that, but that, that's, it's, that's a moot point. What happened right after, right after 9-11, we went into, we went into the Middle East, had a war, had a very long war. It's never ended, spent trillions of dollars. But what happened here domestically was a surveillance state, never ending, soap creep surveillance state that started with the Patriot Act. And then, you know, you, uh, you know, bill out TSA and, and Homeland Security. And then, you know, then I live in New York and now the police have drones. Now, why does the police need drones? You know, do we really, do, is, this the, is this the America that we really want? It is yeah, the but America that don't, don't you agree that this is the world that we've now been led into as a result of 9-11? Yes. But the, my point is, is that if we work together, and, and see, they divided our country. The powers that be, I completely agree with you. 9-11 was the catalyst to roll, roll this surveillance thing out and to erode our civil liberties. But the Constitution states, we the people, not the government, right? We I the agree. people. So, so, we, so we, at the grassroots level, can circumvent this. They only have power when we let them to have power. Let me give you an example. When Obamacare was rolled out, independent on if someone – you know, wanted Obamacare or, or or didn't want Obamacare. The power was in the people. If the people rose up and said, I will not sign up for it, it would have been killed even if it was passed in Congress. Even if they said, well, we're going to charge you, you know, a fee. They, they used the, you know, the fee thing to scare people. But they were worried that people wouldn't sign up. You could tell at the very beginning, that first month, they were concerned because they kept on looking at the numbers, the sign-up numbers. That was an opportunity for the American public to say, you know, enough is enough of telling us what we have to do versus what you know, we doctor, want you to sound do. like a very caring man concerned about the well-being of not only just individuals that are close to you, but uh, Americans in general. And I, I applaud you for that. I think Thank you. you. You kept mentioning the fact that we are, we need to work together as Americans, and I completely agree with that. However. As you said before, we've been torn apart. This country's been torn apart by political uh, by the by the politics that have been taking place since 2016. Uh, I myself, I was just saying before to Michael, I, I myself have lost uh, connection and uh, connection with associates and friends who don't agree with how I feel politically. Um, not to get off the subject, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, we've reached a, uh, a level. We've of, reached the tipping point for sure, Mike. We definitely reached a tipping point, but but as a result of say uh, the the world becoming smaller with the internet, everybody's right. got an opinion, and therefore, see things like this didn't happen twenty years ago, or 30, even twenty twenty five years ago, when we weren't making our opinions national through like Facebook and the internet and websites. So we get split apart. All right. So not to get off the subject, what I'm saying is that the, 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 the entire country has gotten well off its access with politics and it's gotten separated. So mm-hmm. I question exactly what you said before about um, us coming together. And I hope, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that if in the event there was a catastrophe or, or, or some sort of a, a chaotic situation, you know, that we could all come together. I pray that that's the, that's going to happen if indeed there was a catastrophe. However, right now, I think it's, 
I, I, I have to say, I wonder, I really wonder where our future is at. Um, I agree. Because we're just yeah. in, we're, we're in a real tight situation right now that, um, is, is very concerning. And, and this coronavirus, uh, only makes it worse because it's, it's as if we're not pulling in together enough to really, uh, deal with the situation. And I'll tell you, the things that you're saying to me right now just scared the crap out of me. Mm hmm. But here, you know, I can I can explain it in like different levels. One, a very philosophical level, or massy kind of level. Um, like you said, there, there there is the chaos. You know, a system can be in chaos, in chaos, or a chaotic attraction, and another chaotic event within that chaotic system could snap it back into equilibrium. Okay, that's the that's the mathy way of saying another thing. I'm going to say. Um, there is a lot of evidence since probably after Vietnam that would state that there's been a fracturing of, of the American society for multiple reasons. And there is this divide and conquer. There are individuals, um, power brokers that feed on and profit from the division. And us Americans, if we wise up to the fact that both sides are being targeted, um, the right and the left in this case, are being targeted by, let's say, the above, um, then if we wise up, then we can actually have new beginning, new renaissance, new, you know, take back our country. And on some of the channels that I've been talking on, I've been saying we need to wake up and actually say no more to this, this scope creep on our civil liberties and that we roll back to a pre-9-11 day. And and pull out the NSA, curtail the CIA, and and you know and and have ch better checks and balances, and to, and to and to just let all that division just go under the bridge and start anew. You know, I think it was very emblematic of when Nancy Pelosi tore up the speech. Right. You know, it's her prerogative to do it, but I think the the the, the symbol was our country is fractured; it's tearing apart. And just imagine if that was the Constitution. And what does that mean to every soldier, and all, all those mothers and, 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 uh, and widows that, that, that uh, had to suffer because of, of the, the absolute um, 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 sacrifice that soldiers have done throughout the ages for our country? We have to protect that Constitution at all costs because if we lose that, if we lose that, we lose our nation. And so, and that constitution is about freedom. It's, it's we, the people, the, the, the right and the left have to come together and look at the tyranny from above. Agreed. Because the people above, people above don't care about the right or left. That's true. They, they just care about the division and then they feed on the division. So we need to work together, but to solve the, the, the coronavirus issue, it's really localization. It's, it's grassroots. It's helping the neighbor and working with government and and making government accountable and and say what is the what is if it, there is an outbreak in my community what is the the plan you know we don't want to hear that there's a big rollout of the military and and you know everyone's being pointed with guns and, and forced vaccinations and all that because I'll tell you what there's going to be an awful lot of patriots that are going to be starting to fight that that will be the, talking about another chaotic you know attraction point or a tipping point. That will be it. May I ask a question? 
you know, all this, all this thing, you know, if, if they do, it, uh, I am, I am very positive about this. That if there, if what we saw from YouTube with how the CCP was just dragging their citizens and 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 you know and beating them up and all that was happening in the United States, there's going to be an awful lot of patriots that are going to stand up and say enough is enough from the government. And it, it, this this division that we're talking about will be it'll go kinetic. My it won't God, be just verbal. It'll, it'll, when I mean kinetic, it mean, I mean war. Understood. It, you know, people will mm-hmm. rise. You know, people will rise up. So, you know, but I, I'm not saying that I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying I want peace. Right. I, I want I want our country. Our, our country was fractured definitely when when JFK was assassinated. Right. But in a short amount of time, we came together during the moon landing, you know, in the Apollo program, in the space program. It was a, a sense of, of nation, national pride. This event here, coronavirus event can be another sense of a national pride and and a, a, a rebirth of you know what we're going to roll back the nine you know the post 9-11 days and we're going to you know we're, it's going to be more free yeah, we cool. don't need a never-ending surveillance state we're always looking for right freedom. and you know going back well, to 9-11 I'd rather live in fr- freedom oh go and, ahead and 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 and, and not and, and and live dangerously than to live safe in safety but under tyranny and that's what America is about. It's about the exploration. It's it's about taking chances. Understood. Not in any state. So, you know, but we as a people need to come together and help our neighbor. We have been way too fractured. A lot of these preppers, you know, they're, they're thinking they're just going to hunker down and, and just, you know, lock, you know, uh, uh, use their shotgun right at the door, and you know if anyone knocks, it won't blow it blow <laughs> away. You know, I'm, I'm speaking high, with hyperbole. But, yes. You know, but the, the point I'm making is, is that there's not enough discussion in the prepper community where it's talking about uh, community. I'm hearing a lot of self-centeredness. For example, uh, the masks. <laughs> We're running out of masks now because everyone's hoarding them. You know, well, where, where, where in this country or in yeah. China? Well, you, you have it in China, but I'm 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 hearing it even in New York, where a bunch of people have bought masks and you can't find the masks at the stores now. Well, if if you if, if you if you have a bunch of people buying things that really don't need it, and the area that does need it, like an outbreak area, um, you know, that's that's being self-centered. And what happens when the healthcare professionals don't have the materials that they need, like the masks and 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 whatnot, to be able to treat the outbreak? Because our healthcare system. You know, you've you've seen on TV when there's like a car crash and it's like you know a pile up of five cars and you know the six or eight people are rolling into the ER. It's total chaos. Can you imagine if you have ten thousand people in your community barfing and, and really sick and, and and having you know uh, shakes and, and and you know some convulsions and stuff like that? Right. The healthcare system would break down. They don't have enough people that they, they don't have enough beds, let alone people, to be able to process it. So that's why we're starting to hear that the military is going to start quarantining people on bases or, or forts, right? That's already so, starting. Yeah, we're seeing that in San Diego. Yeah, you know, it, you know, there's an article about uh, Kalamazoo. Uh, uh, there's a base around Kalamazoo. I can't remember the name of it, but they're practicing operations for containment. So people are going to get scared when when they say, "Well, you're going on a base, and you got a bunch of fatigue guys, you know, walking around with you know M16s." That's not how you approach it. You approach it with kindness and compassion, not military. You, know, you don't attack the virus with a gun. You attack it with you attack it with science and compassion. 
and love for your neighbor. And this is the panic that people are going to start seeing in the United States. Now, hopefully, there are these decisions from, from our government, you know, with involving uh, containment using the military. Um, it's just, just uh, a, a bad decision. But it could be on purpose. And if it's on purpose and to roll this bio-patriot act that I'm talking about, then you know what? I think game's on for kinetic, a, a kinetic situation. Understood. And I think Mike had a question for you. Mike, go ahead. Oh, gee, I forgot it was so long ago. Oh, did you? (laughs) I think what I was going to ask, uh, let's see. uh, I'm sorry. It it slipped me. It was so long ago. It was like 10 minutes ago. That's okay. (laughs) I I did have a question for you in the chat room. There was someone by the name of Tim O who says, so how's the Wuhan cremating everybody and nobody's hearing of it? That's what he said. Well, I mean, uh, the the first uh, announcement that I, because active journalists, you know, the, you know, these citizen type journalists, that's, that's where the, you know, you're, we're going to get the information from these types of regions. So I, I got the information originally from box mining. He's, he's a, he has a YouTube channel, right? And he's in Sing- Singapore, but um, he's been posting feverishly and, and covering his, you know, what's going on right. in Asia. Yeah. And because of the time difference, it's, it's great to listen to him late at night. And, you know, for my morning, posts and stuff to get everyone in the United States up to speed. There's a lot's happening while we're sleeping. So uh, it's a great source. And he was the first one that I heard where he was able to get information um, out of China and he was able to publish it on his website where it was showing that there was cremations that were taking, that were going 24 seven. And then, you know, video confirmations of this, it seemed to be happening because of the number of bodies wrapped up in these yellow bags uh, about two days later. So I think there's enough data points there to say, yes, it is happening. Uh, like I said before, that sulfur dioxide cloud that's over Wuhan now is suspicious. And uh, uh, go on, on, on the war room with, with Bannon, even Bannon, um, had stated that it's a lot worse. You know, that's, and he's, you know, he's, I would assume he has some inside information. Yeah, I think he might be Chinese. I think know. he might be right. He might know so, something we don't. Um, yeah, so I mean, there is people trying. I have posted stuff about it, you know. So people are trying to get the word out. The problem, I think, that the 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 person that chatted um, is really asking is why aren't we hearing it in the mainstream? I see. We're hearing it in the, the citizen journalism world, right, right, right. But the mainstream doesn't want to create panic, and um, you know, uh, if you start hearing the number of bodies that are being cremated. And it, then it lends itself, well, it's got to be more than 813 dead bodies that are released from the database. You know, it, it, you've been leaking falsified information to the public for how many days? And then, and then it starts creating a question about the association with the WHO, the World Health Organization, and um, President Xi. Because why didn't they start asking questions about death tolls, you know, and, and, and auditing the, those things? Um, I'm surprised that they don't do autopsies. Why don't we have tissues from different areas of, 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 of the body to understand the actual pathology of this virus? That's the only way to understand it, is to actually do the autopsy. I have heard nothing, nothing from the from from China about autopsies. I haven't either. That's You're strange right. to me. That's strange to me. Yeah, not one word we, I've heard of you know, such thing. Just, yeah, we're just focused on the lung and maybe a little bit of the kidney and the liver. 
but we don't know. I mean, right, right. I had a case that called into my show that said son has coronavirus in Florida, not Wuhan, they, but they didn't test for Wuhan. They tested for the corona. But his, his symptoms are showing um, central nervous system issues, not pulmonary, not like pneumonia, maybe a little bit of, you know, of upper respiratory, but not the deep pneumonia that was that's happening with most of these Wuhan cases. So this case most likely is just a a, uh, a coronavirus um, infection, but um, it's suspicious that you know we we're in the middle of an outbreak, and we this may actually may this is I'm just this is a hypothesis. I'm I saying see. This yes. is the case, but it's possible that this becomes more like a meningitis kind of situation for some people, maybe like children. In this case, it was a child, a young child. So, but that might have been just a outlier. We don't know. There's not enough data. But the point is, is that there's a lot we don't know and that we need to err on the side of caution on trying to handle this, this, you know, this pandemic that's, that's going on. Absolutely. And so, Doc, just to cut you off really quickly, this for sure was first originally started through a, a bat. Is that correct? Well, if you say it started from mm-hmm. um, the, the bioengineering was from uh, a, a the, there's different species of bats where the coronavirus in SARS um, lives. That's the natural host. Okay, and researchers were wanting to know why. So what they did was they took uh, a, a what they call bat SARS like bat SARS like coronavirus that genome and mixed it with SARS coronavirus, and then they added in an HIV homology on the S protein, which is the protein on the virus that attaches to the, the ACE2 receptor on our cells. So in other words, they supercharged the virus with bat SARS-like coronavirus, SARS coronavirus, plus a little bit of a piece of HIV to make it more virulent. What a tasty cocktail they made, right? part of the reason why the white blood cell count seems to be going down with some of these, these patients. I see. And when your white blood cell count goes down, um, then it's harder to fight the infection. And it explains why you know, the, the pneumonia comes so quick. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of other complications, especially with people that have heart conditions. Um, when you don't have the proper um, um, homeostasis for your blood pressure and you start blocking the pathways to control the blood pressure through the ACE2 receptor, then that's what's being, that, that's what's being compromised because of the virus then what will happen is you start losing blood pressure. And that would explain why um, why people were passing out when we were seeing videos. Their blood pressure was dropping, and it wasn't able to come back up. Because you need this ACE2 receptor to convert certain enzymes that um, allows downstream the increased production of aldosterone, which will help raise the blood pressure by absorbing water and, 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 and salt into the, into the um, bloodstream through the kidney. So... Um, it's, you know, it's, it's an issue. It's real. It's a real issue. And people have to have to really pay attention to what's going on here. But this was bioengineered, but it was not bioengineered for a weapon. It was bioengineered. And this goes all the way back to research papers that go all the way back to like 2010 or 2008. You can see, you can track, you can see the evolution of this, this strand. And it just so happened to be leaked out. We don't know if it was leaked out on purpose, if it was leaked out, you know, um, by accident, um, it's suspicious. Like I said, you know, with it's what's very going suspicious. on with the overthrow of the government, um, and you know, to protect the hegemonic power of the United States, 
I mean, it kind of makes sense that we're going to be leveraging the situation. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, is it is it from a bat? Yes, Cor- coronaviruses. You know, the, the SARS-like coronaviruses are from bats. They're from other species too, but th- this in this case, this, this family of yeah. viruses is is from bats. Uh, by the way, uh, Doc, I'm on your website right now, and you do have a section on your website called Data Files Public, Shared Data Files. And I'm on, yeah. I'm not sure what number it was, but there's an image of Donald Trump, and he's sitting down at a, at a table. Can you tell right. us what that's all about? Well, there. this is the working, this is files on the working hypothesis, like I said, of the overthrow of the CCP through some sort of, uh, you know, black op. I see operations, right? And a, a researcher with me is, uh, you know, kind of trying to just in the public domain. None of this is like secret stuff, but in the public domain, trying to uh, uh, the, the the dots point the dots to um, Bannon and Go. And if in that picture you can see Bannon in the background and Go, we think Go is in that picture right behind Trump. Oh, but I mean, okay. he's doing there. So I mean, and and he is a member of Marago. So, I mean, it's not, it's not going to be, that picture is not about Trump. That picture is to connect Bannon and go together. Okay. I see. Understood. And Mike. Yes, sir. Are you following this? I am. Um, uh, you know, I, it's, I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm not, again, as I said before, I'm not as educated on the whole subject as the doctor is. That's but okay. It is fascinating. And Very. I wish I knew more about it, but at the same time, I'm struggling with the fact to try to comprehend whether this is actually an inflicted epidemic. Well, actually, it's, it, we, we haven't reached it as an epidemic, but China has. Um, am I correct in that assumption? Is it an epidemic for them? Would that be it's, the definition? It's, it's, it, it, because of the size of the country, I would consider it actually a pandemic. Mm. But Okay, so but, but again, but I, I'm it, just trying. Scary. I'm it's trying to. It, it is an epidemic, comp- but it's in. It's basically in all of their their provinces. Okay, so that, be that as it may, what I'm saying is, is that I'm just trying to c- comprehend whether or not this has been like a man-made virus to uh, obviously wipe out humanity or be used as a well. Uh, I don't, you know, a right. war I don't think like I yeah weapon. like I said you know I don't think it was designed as a weapon. But you can design something um, that's not, you know, like a steak knife is used for a steak, but you can use it to kill someone. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, <laughs> you, could, you know, you could use something, yeah. you can use something as a weapon. So, so this term bioweapon, it wasn't designed to be a bioweapon. But can it be used as a bioweapon? Yes. Now, what is interesting, what is very, very interesting is in the data, um, there, it seems to be a more of a prevalence for males. And, and the reason being males have this ACE2 receptor, more, more of them than females. So males have a higher, higher chance of this. But not only that, the, um, certain types of tissue in the lung, the, um, it's called the AT2, their AT2 cell. But, but the, but this cell, uh, when infected with the virus, will um it has machinery within the the cell to help with the virus to produce okay while some other cells it doesn't have as well it it can't multiply and manufacture its protein as well it can but not as well as the a2 the at2 cell so this is the uh, the 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 air sac cells 
that you know that people know about, where it's the exchange of the oxygen and the and the carbon dioxide. So these cells, there's two types in there. The AT2 cell um, helps the virus multiply, produce, manufacture itself. Now it so happens that um, there is a research paper, and it's on my website actually under um, under um, medicine on the front page. If you click medicine, and then I have PDFs right underneath the the X-ray. Yeah. And there is the single cell RNA, uh, yeah, the single cell RNA expressing profiling of ACE2 in that paper, which was from China, that was published, I think, January 26th this year. Um, it's studying the Wuhan virus and and what what's going on in the lung. So they said, well, it's definitely connecting to the ACE2 receptor, and males are more affected because we have more ACE2. But Asian males have a little bit more, um, uh, the, the biochemistry of that cell lends itself to manufacturing of the virus. Now, that doesn't mean that the, that the virus was purposely manufactured to do that. You got to remember the bat, the, 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 the natural host is in the Asian region, all right? And it may have been through natural selection that coronaviruses are more susceptible to Asian males because of just the population and the evolution of that virus, if you follow me. The, the, the core substrate of the virus is just more focused on Asian males because different ethnicities will have a little bit different genome. And by having a little bit different genome, they express, they, they express uh, ACE2 more. And by expressing ACE2 more, they're more susceptible, all right, because they're male. And the, 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 the manufacturing of the virus in the cell, once it's coming, once it comes into the cell, um, you know, is it, 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 the manufacturing is better. It doesn't make as many mistakes. So um, some theorists, I, I think it's conspiracy theorists, though, say, well, that was that means it must be targeted. Well, this virus is targeting a, a, a certain cohort of patients, Asian males, but that doesn't mean it was designed that way. And this is the thing that I'm trying to do with my channel is I want to use scientific, I'm trying to be scientific and you state a hypothesis and you try to prove the hypothesis or disprove it. And you move on and you, you evolve your theory based on data. Doesn't mean it's right, but at least you have, you know, some facts to back up the theory, right? But what's happening is people are getting these knee-jerk reactions. Oh, it's only, it, it's targeting more, you know, Asian males, so it must be a bioweapon. No, that, that's, it, there may be a, a lot, there, there's a multitude of reasons why that could be. So, you know, this is why we, because what happens is then you got xenophobia that starts to, start, you know, starts to happen. And that's not fair. That's not fair for the patient and um, not for, fair for, for that community that, that, that has the outbreak. So we have to use the scientific method. We don't use the scientific method. The society will start to break down because, you know, they'll get, they'll get into that fear mode and that knee-jerk reaction. So, I, you know, we got to be calm. That's why I keep on trying to promote that we as a community need to work together to solve this problem. And we can do it. That's the American spirit. I believe the American, the, the American people can do anything if they set their mind to it. And we can help the people in China if their government lets us. That's the problem. They don't even want us to get in there um, to really see what's happening. Yeah, they're completely um, locked down. So, yeah, they're, they're, and, they, and think about it. They really are living under 1984. Yeah, it's right? crazy over there. So, so, and, and, you know, we're, 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 uh, creeping towards what they have. I mean, they already have social scoring. 
well, when will social scoring really be happening here? It's only a matter of time. It's never ending scope creep. Right. It's never ending scope creep. And the social scoring isn't going to help people. It's only hurt them, especially when they want to change jobs. You know, let's say someone, um, you know, uh, was working uh, for 20 years at a company and the company's um, CEO was embezzling and, you know, the company falters and people get laid off. And um, the individual's older, so it took a little bit of longer for them to find the, find another job because of the stigma of, of their age. And they were getting behind on the bill. So their their credit score went down, all right? Um, and so their social, their total social score because of their credit score, um, was lower and you, they, they didn't have the right social score bar to be able to get another job. This is the, this is where we're going. If we don't roll back, what I, what, what I mean by rolling back to pre 9-11 times. Yeah. You know, let's, let's you know? talk about that really quickly. You've been going back about 9-11 and I agree with you on a lot of things. And just to bring up. Uh, a recently released sort of audio file you did titled Trump is a pussy and the U.S. military <laughs> is weak. You know, I agree with you on your assessment on a lot of those things. I mean, right now it almost seems like we're back in 2003 and we're once again being betrayed by the Saudis as usual. And this is just all nonsense, really. I mean, I look back at it and I think of all the people that I knew that died going into Iraq mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. died for no reason. It was an absolute, I my, mean, my it's just frustrating. In, in th that particular situation, right? Um, Iran is definitely funding terrorism in that region. And we had an opportunity to knock them out and had good reason to knock them out after they were orchestrating the, those embassy overthrows. And if our mil the point I was making in that video is, is that if we're so big and bad with our military and that we have, you know, all this technology and all this capability, but we're too timid to knock out the, the Iranians, um, then um, maybe it's all bolstering. You know, we're just beating our chest and our military is not that strong. I don't think that's the case. But nah. I, 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 you know, but my, my gut feeling here is, is that there, there's too, there's too much of a, we're, we're timid to take on big problems like, like Iran. Iran is much bigger issue than Iraq. And Iraq was, 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 a, was a problem. See, look at the same thing with North Korea. Um, you know, we wait and wait and wait until they have a nuclear weapon. And it's a, then, then it's a problem. We should have knocked them out. We should have knocked, knocked them out. Uh, knocked out his father, you know. Oh. So, you know, in 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 North Korea, you know, in the in the oh yeah, the but 90s, look who we had with, for with presidents Clinton. back then. You know, we could have knocked them out in, you know, during Clinton's years, but we didn't. Um, yeah, and and you know, and here, it like was I was a, just it saying, was look a, look at the presidents that we knock out Iran. We didn't. Uh, hold hold on there, uh, Paul. Mike was saying something to you. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, what I'm just saying is look at the presidents that we've had. We have not had a strong president since Reagan. And, uh, you, you know, now Trump steps up. I'm, you know, I, I don't care whether you're for him or against him. Uh, the fact of the matter is we've done more militarily. Uh, what's the crooked word here? I should say more. We've done more things with the military by knocking out our enemies with this president than we did with Barack Obama. Well, I, I I agree with you. I, Bush. I I voted I voted for Trump, and I will vote for Trump uh, going the next election. I've already made that decision. 
the main okay. reason is is that so I so think that then, he's, then, one, he, he's actually one of the one of the better presidents that we've had in the last maybe hundred years. Okay. Okay. So um, so could you, you I, agree I like with me because he, I like him so much because his anti global you know globalist you know stance you know it's about nationhood it's about self determination and um, you know and and breaking up this you know kind of new world order that started during Bush Senior's reign. But um, so I like Trump, but I think that he made a tactical mistake by not hitting Iran because I believe that Iran in the future, they probably already have nuclear weapons, but in the future we'll have more. And so knocking them out will be even harder. So and our dependency on the grid will become more and more and more. So if they knock out the electrical grid um, in the future, it, it, the, the, the economic hardship will be more than doing it now. So my thinking is, it's like cancer. You want to get it out early. Right, right, you right. You want to wait. You know, so, so Iran is a cancer. You want to knock it out now before it's too late, before it becomes metastasized. Same thing with North Korea. You know, it, it's better to, like, you know, try to have a peaceful negotiation and, and you know, and have some trade and, and you know, and, and, and um, um, you, know, you know, work together. But if you can't and they start doing arms races, and doing these covert operations, you know, with terrorism, you just knock them out. And I just think that Trump, for whatever reason, was too timid. He seemed too too afraid to, you know, make that leap. Now he <laughs> may have, he may, he might have made that leap if if U.S. soldiers were killed, you know, during that when they they were rocketing the the uh, bases. But um, I just when it comes to push, you know, Trump. You know, here's the problem with the United States. I think is that we're getting used to distance killing um, in the dark, um, cloak and dagger kind of stuff, you know, and you just, you know, you know, assassination from the sky. And I'm for it. I'm for that, that, you know, you know, knocking out the bad guy. But, you know, we, we have lost the will to fight. It's like we've lost the will to, 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 to help each other in our country. If you think that you really believe that we can do another World War II? I don't think we have the, the stamina in our country to, you are right. To, we to have too many those kinds of the losses. And, you know, so we've gotten used to video game killing and going into I, Iran would have been much more serious. And, but we could have done it and we could have won. Yeah. Hold on there, doctor. And, and, one one know, moment, doctor. Hold, you know, hold on. I, doctor. I just think that we'd lost a major opportunity. Uh, hold on there, doctor. Uh, Mike, go ahead. You were trying to complete something there. Well, well, what I was trying to say, I don't know if the doctor can hear me when he, when he's talking on that, on the phone, maybe there's a, 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 a glitch going a on delay. here, but the fact of the matter yeah. is uh, not to get a completely off the subject of what we were talking, but there are cer certain issues involved here with the president. And the first one is that no matter what he does, he is under scrutiny by the entire left. And it's all, it's a, it's a big personal thing. It's, it's become so personal. It's beyond politics. He can't do anything without a, a, some, somebody coming down with a goddamn hammer and, 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 and just smashing everything he does. Now, the fact with Iran, look, I, I don't like Iran. I think ever since the whole thing that went down in 1979 where the, where the Shah was, uh, uh, you know, ousted and, and, and they, they took American hostages, that, country sucks they they promote terrorism uh it could have been a great country when the shah was there they were becoming a a, a democratic um uh a, a country of republic what am i trying to say a republican country no wait <laughs> um democratic that's what i'm trying to say they're a democratic country 
and they were doing good. It was prospering. It was a good country. It was coming along good. And then these, these religious assholes come in and they destroyed it. So here we are for the last 40 years dealing with a bunch of people that have the thumb up their ass. They have no idea how to cope and deal with anything. They want to wipe out Israel. They want to wipe out this person, that person. They hate America. And then we go ahead and give them 150 billion friggin' dollars. So the problem here, what we have is that anything that Donald Trump does as the president, he's going to be criticized by the left. So if we were to go into Iran and bomb the living shit out of them or even drop boots in there and go and start killing them, what do you think would happen? We'd get the, the, the whole government, the entire administration and the le- and the right would be would be criticized for putting in more people into another Middle Eastern war that just sucks the life out of our young people who get killed for nothing. Mm. And that's what's been happening with all the Middle Eastern wars that we've had. We go in there, we get it, it gets politicized after we go in there for a reason, and then all of a sudden we back on. It's like, oh, you know what? We don't want to do that. Uh, let's, you know, you're, you're our friends. So all the people that die in those wars die for nothing. So it is my belief that even if we were to go in to do anything to Iran, it would make no difference. Well, maybe it might make a little difference with Donald Trump at the helm because. I mean, let's face it. He's he's got a set of balls on him, um, and he's not afraid to <laughs> use them. So, well, all I'm trying to say is, that on the whole Iran situation, that is, we're just waiting for them to make the move, and I think our military will destroy them, um, especially now that he has uh, he's he's fixed our military. I mean, Barack Obama just destroyed it, and in order to have peace in this world. America needs to have a powerful army as we always did in the past. And that's when countries respected us. Um, so that's my whole stance on Iran. I, I agree with you. I agree. I mean, I, I, you're making strong points that, 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 um, you know, that make a lot of sense. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, what, you, know, the, you know, the thing is, the thing is, is that, you know, with, with the, uh, the gang of four and, you know, Nancy Pelosi, um, they were trying to reduce the optionality of this president and, no and how he would govern domestically and, and, and foreign, you know, in foreign relations. And I think it backfired. And what will happen is that he will be reelected. And what we were hoping in the first four years of his presidency, we'll get in the last four years of his presidency. Um, no doubt. You know, but I, 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 I'm very optimistic about him, you know, as a president. But that video, that specific thing was, was, um, was a concern that we missed an opportunity to knock out Iran um, before it became a larger cancer. That was kind of Agreed. the point that I was making. You know, and the title was kind of like click, you know, clickbaitish. You know, well, that's why it was great. You know, because, you know, people would think, well, <laughs> yes. he must be against Trump. Well, no, I'm pro-Trump. I was, <coughs> I was against, I was against <coughs> not striking Iran. So, but. Yeah, you know, I think most people you know, understood. People live in this kind of box of, of, you know, black or white. You know, there is a gray. You can be against the president on a certain policy, but still really appreciate what he's trying to do for the country and support it. And yeah, unfortunately that's, that's not happening. Wait, say that again. I said unfortunately I I I I I seriously believe that that's not happening and I think the a lot of the left 
the liberals, the Democrats, um, and the politically correct find him to be – they hate him so much that they won't even let him govern. And and that's what blows my mind because any other president, whether you like them or not, they got things done for the country. And could you imagine how much more we would get done if, if Pelosi would shut the hell up and do something right. instead of bitching constantly about impeaching this president or – uh, just giving him a hard time about anything he does, and not just her, Shift, uh, 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 and all the other ones, uh, Chuck Schumer, all of them. They all they do is bitch, and they don't let they don't get anything done for the left or this country in general. So it, it's hard to see anything getting done when it's become such a personal issue against the president of the United States. There is no respect whatsoever. Listen, when Barack Hussein Obama became president. I didn't like him at all. I didn't trust him one bit, and I did my research on him. But you didn't see me running out, destroying property, flipping cars, and setting, uh, you know, breaking right, windows right. and setting uh, people's property on fire. No, you deal with it for four to eight years, and then you move on. You know that that that's the problem with the left is that they're not letting, they're not looking at the what what this country needs, and that it needs to be connected so that we can get things done, so that we can help people uh, who need help wherever. But there, there's so much hatred going on. <clears throat> Excuse me, and the coronavirus, uh, and and the coronavirus. Yes, I, I mean it's it's just at the point where it, it's it's beyond anything he's done wrong because he could cure cancer right now and he would still get you know he'd still get criticized for not you know uh, uh uh he he would still get uh criticized for not curing cancer earlier it's always something right. it's always right. something with him and right. we're not to, coming to, together to, so you're right on that to, aspect to prove your point and i think it's going to be very visceral for you guys because of you know california but as this as this um impeachment was taking place and you know it was slow rollout and all this it, who were the big players Schiff and and uh, 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 waters and Nancy Pelosi these are representatives from from California and in the midst of this the great state of California was burning was burning down yeah. from all those fires and they they didn't care they would rather take down this president than to help yep. their own their own constituents that's right and 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 we and and we and and this country would have this country would have band together and and had you know had uh um you know firefighters and 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 personnel trying to help anyone in need in california but instead what happened was she divided the country and now you uh, you know a big part of the country says "Eh, hell with california you know and (laughs) and california is a great all our states are great that's right. All of our citizens are great, you know, and and California was in need. And unfortunately, the, the representatives that were in Washington, D.C., were too hell-bent on trying to pull down the president while they let yep. their their own state burn. And that, that's that, right. That, that is, that is the, the same harmonic feeling that I have when she tore up the, the speech. You know, she just doesn't there, – there's these people that just – they hate this country for some reason so much they're willing to burn it all down. And it's like, it just, it's like almost like a, I don't know, like a psychopath or something. You know, it's, it's a sad, sad state of affairs. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, it is sad because, uh, you know, I, I've been only in California three times in my life. 
and um, um, you know it's more in, later in life. You know, it's like a couple of years, three three years ago or so. But uh, it's a great state, and you know, great people. But it's got its own problems. But again, we're Americans. We can work through it, and we can make a better. You know, like like uh, Abraham Lincoln said. You know, our our mission is to make a more perfect union. That's our mission. You know, and unfortunately, <laughs> lately, you know, it's been the mission. You know, divide the country more. It's sad because very you know, sad. We could be so much farther ahead. In so many ways, in medicine and in technology and, in, 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 um, you know, just the health of people. But, you know, there's like this negativity, you know, in the last three, four years. And it's like, oh, you can feel it. It's like you, it's like reducing everybody's immune system. And then all of a sudden you've got the virus coming, too, at the same time. So it's like, it never ends. I I'm willing to bet that, that what, is, what will happen in, in 2020 will, will be about as much packed in one year as the last 10 years. You look at what happened the last 10 years, we're going to see packed in this year that much activity. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening. My goodness. Doctor, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. It's been um, a little over time that I wanted to have you on here. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but please leave us with any final word as you part ways here tonight. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, uh, you, you know, you can, you can reach me on my YouTube channel. It's, it's, uh, you know, just Paul Cottrell or my website, the dash studio dash Reykjavik.com. And, um, you know, just to my, you know, fellow Americans and, and, and the world at large, we got to work together. And when we work together, we can solve problems. Amen. Here, um, here. Well said, doc. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. And, and go ahead and plug your YouTube channel, by the way. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's Paul Cottrell uh, on YouTube. Very nice. Now, Paul, I do want to thank you so much for being a part of the program. I will definitely invite you back again in the near future. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'd like to. I enjoyed the conversation. Very. Thank you, Doc. You know, yeah. Well, really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. All right. Bye, bye. Good night. And there he goes. That was the good doctor. And my God, that was something else, right, Mike? Frightening. Wow. Um, some of the Holy things shit. he said. Yeah, some of the things he said were really. Uh, I mean, I did not expect. <laughs> I didn't expect to any hear of this. the thing. Yeah, I didn't expect to hear some of the things he said. It was. It was frightening. It really was. It was all. It was almost as scary as that email that I got saying that I was a sexist. That <laughs> I was this and that in in an email. By the way, during the break. Really? And that was from one of your admirers? <laughs> they, they said I was a misogynist and they got really offended uh, about what I said earlier about America having a female president. And I was just oh. saying that, you know, most women won't vote, won't vote for uh, Tulsi Gabbard because, you know, she's an attractive lady in her in her years and other women out there. They don't like other women. People get really you know, angry Michael, when I say that, but it's true. I mean, other they say I'm a misogynist, but other women hate other women, and that's just the fact. In many cases, you're absolutely and and I say this, I say this lightly. I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I've got to admit there have been situations where I've been involved with women, uh, girlfriends, uh, who have outright and blatantly said how much they hate. Uh, some women, particularly those who I was formally involved with before them. There you go. So yeah, I hear it constantly. 
And I have no reason to doubt that there can be issues with – I mean we can't prove for sure uh, you know, the person we're talking about here. But um, you know, women are, are a unique uh, species in the human species. They, they have you – know, you know what they say. Men are from uh, – uh, uh, men are from Mars. Women, women are, are from, from Venus. Venus. Right. No, you know? absolutely. So I'm sure they have some very <laughs> odd comments to make about men too. <laughs> I'm sure they do. It's just every woman I've ever been around, they never really say anything positive about another woman. Ever. No. <laughs> Fuck no. I, I've never heard another woman put another woman over in a positive way. Well, you know what? I, I can't say that I've never heard somebody like a woman put another woman in, in good light. So I'm not going to – I can't agree with you on that. I mean I, I've heard it a couple of times. But for the majority – That's it's a rare – That's a needle in a haystack, Mike. <laughs> it, it, I think it's like – I think it, it, it has to do with certain women who feel a certain way. I see. And you know what? I, I better keep my mouth shut or else uh, I'm going to get the hate mail too. That's okay. I get hate all the time, but <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Fuck them. I don't give but, a shit who I offend. You know, just to be clear on what we were saying before about Mike Buttigieg, um, I got nothing against the guy. I really do don't, I. Other than the fact that I don't agree with his politics. But – his sexual his sexual preference has nothing to do with the, just as if it, it, just as like the sex of a, a candidate makes no difference to me either man woman gay or straight I don't care same you got the right policies I'll vote for you word but that's not how America is which is an, no, another reason not. why I brought up the homosexual Pete Buttigieg uh, booty judge for some out there the thing is this is a quote unquote Christian nation. And a lot of the hardcore Christians out there who do vote, the uh, boomers out there, they're not going to vote for him. No, you're right. The, the Bible Belt of America, that they're not going to vote no. for him. And, and, and no, it's of course not, not. That's not an insult. Not it, at all. It's just no insult. It's just the truth. Yeah. I mean, I got nothing against the guy. I really don't care what his sexual preference is. I don't. But I don't. I just don't think he'll make it as president. I really don't. And 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 I say that only because based on Donald Trump's presidency and his administration and the things that they have done in three years he is the only president i now look let me get let me make this clear i don't agree with everything he's put forth but i will say he has done more for this country than the last four presidents put together i'll say this though mike I've never seen another president have such a hard time as the one we have in office today. I've never seen That's anyone right. else go after anyone, a, a single man like this, uh, it, ever. It, you're right, Michael. And, and as I was saying before, it's gone beyond political. It's, it's personal. And everybody out there now who is not in politics, who is simply a citizen like you and I. Right. They get on Facebook and they, they, they voice their opinion on how much they hate him and how much he's a prick and how much he's a misogynist and a, and, and a, and a racist and this and that and the other thing. And holy Christmas, I, it's like I, I don't care anymore. I just don't care. Let the guy do his job. You know, Absolutely. nobody, God forbid you said anything about uh, uh, Hussein Obama. If you did, you were called a racist. And everything else in the book, too. And everything else in the book. And now it's everything is just so it's so hateful. And you just I don't know. I, I've, I've lost it. I, I've had to take a break from politics. And well, I don't blame you, man. 
I don't blame yeah. you for taking a break. And, and ironically enough, Mike, the last time this country felt quote unquote united was after nine 11. So, I mean, fucking wrap your mind around that. Right. And, and you know, for the first, what was it like maybe a year or two, the patriotism was beautiful. I, I saw people it's gone waving now. flags and, and, you know, uh, you know, wearing, uh, putting flags on their property and, and, and it just seemed so wonderful to have that patriotism, even under the terrible circumstances of, of, you know, 9-11. And you remember that, right? Remember how everybody was uh, kind of like nice to each other for once. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's gone. Yeah. And, 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 and then, you know, and now we've got, and now we've got people like what's her face Omar in 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 office who was an obvious Jew hater Ilhan uh, uh, Omar yeah uh, Omar yeah I can't stand her I can't stand her um you know oh brother I could go on and on like this but the, you know the more I talk the more the more the left hates me <laughs> it's all right man I'm I'm hated by all sides so it's all good <laughs> I prefer to be hated to be honest I I rather be hated than liked it's Ain't much more fun than that yeah it's much more enjoyable. Yeah, you got to stand your ground and believe in what you believe in and, and just don't hurt anybody. And I feel that my opinion in politics, it, it doesn't hurt anybody. I I just seem to think that I'm, I'm thinking logical by trying to say, hey, you know what, government, shut the fuck up and do your job. I like that. You know, I'm so tired of Russia, 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 racist, 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 shithole, shithole, shithole. Uh, Stormy Daniels. Hey, who, who cares, man? You know Get what's funny, Mike? God, Worry about this country. Right. You know what's funny, Mike? A God and government, they're a lot alike. You know, they both work in mysterious ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, man, that, that first, your first guest, uh, uh, Jim. That was uh, nuts, right? Wow. I uh, love that. I mean, he, he was, he was deep. He was deep. He was deep I, in I, there. You know, just to be a nice guy, I I, I hear you. It's okay. I I don't want to say that I I don't believe him. Um, I mean, he seems like he's got his faculties together. But But you weren't all in. You weren't all in for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, I didn't read his books. So I don't know for sure what he's offering as evidence. But I I mean, I, you know, I, 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 it's a lot to take in. I agree, my friend. And Mike, I'm looking at the time and it is time to wrap up. It's already 11.06. My God. We've been here for almost four hours. Wow. Just like that. And after two here. Yeah, man. You know, I really appreciate you hanging out with me, by the way. It's been fun. I love when you come and hang out with me and you co-host and we piss off a couple people. I think it's great. Thank you, Michael. I, I as Hell you know, yes. I, I always love coming on the show, and I'm I'm honored that you have me. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll do it again, and I'll give you a call tomorrow, man. All right, brother. Thank you so much, and uh, you take care of yourself, okay? You too, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Ciao. All right, bye-bye. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only Mike Hideous. That was insane. This whole program has been pretty damn insane, and I do want to thank all of you out here in the chat room and those in the future who will listen to the podcast rendition of this program. It's been fun. And again, I want to thank all the international listeners out there who hung out through the whole thing. And again, those who will listen in the future via podcast really appreciate you folks very much. Those in Canada, the UK, and now even Brazil, they have joined the mix. And I'm very proud of the Brazilians out there. And also another, another place has 
came uh, has come about rather uh, russia has really kicked it up a notch the, a lot of russians out there have been emailing me and i really do appreciate that love the russians out there love all the international listeners and of course everyone in america and those in california that's where lots of my listeners are from which is kind of weird because i don't really even uh, advertise or talk to uh, too many people out here in california about this program so it blows my mind that most of my listeners, well, the ones who listen to the podcast rendition, a lot of them are from Mountain View, and I think I've only been there once in my entire life, yet I, yet I have all kinds of listeners there. Who knows why? But regardless, I want to thank all of them very much. I'm glad all of you have been hanging out with me, and if you like the program, go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon if you want some bonus material, bonus content, and trust me, it's pretty tasty. And of course, very offensive if you like that sort of thing. Patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And yes, again, my respect to all of you out there in the chat room. Much love. It's been an interesting night yet again. Hopefully, it remains that way. I think it will. My God, what a show that was. And again, love all of you in the chat room. Be safe, no matter where you are, on this pale blue dot. I'm Michael Deacon, and the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.